You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. You're listening to Star Wars The Saga Continues. Your hosts, Kyle Avery and Tim Jirasi, are scouring the Holonet for news and bringing you all of the latest updates on the future of the Star Wars universe. And the future is bright indeed, so we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues. Always in motion is the future. This is just the beginning. You'll find out full of surprises. It's not over yet. No. There is another. Hey there, Star Wars fans. You're listening to episode 60 of Star Wars The Saga Continues, your podcast for all the latest news and rumors on Star Wars The Force Awakens, as well as Star Wars Rogue One, Star Wars Rebels, Star Wars Battlefront, and all these other new and exciting Star Wars projects coming up. Um, As always, I'm your host, Kyle, and I've got my co-host, Tim, with me. How's it going, Tim? Hey, Kyle. I'm doing good. Just saw Jurassic World this past weekend. Really liked it, but it's just another movie I could just check off my list of excited movies to see in 2015 and we're just in that one step closer to the force awakens that's another barometer i use for getting closer and excited for star wars i did it with the prequels where if there was some movies before that that i was excited about it was like check that one off check that one off then there's like only two or three more left to the force awakens or a star wars movie and we're getting closer so <laughs> a lot yeah. more cool stuff coming in the next few months and i uh, just can't wait yeah absolutely it's like yeah, like you said, they're kind of just like stepping stones. And I'm so excited for The Force Awakens and, you know, so focused on that milestone that when all these other movies come out, it's like, oh, Jurassic World comes out next week already? Sweet. I didn't, yeah. you know, didn't even have to wait that long for it. Um, but yeah, I saw it too. Freaking loved it. Um, man, yeah, just IMAX 3D with dinosaurs jumping out at you. You know, what more could you want? Um but I guess the only other thing you could want was to see the trailer again, but they didn't. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> I kind of knew that wasn't going to be there because it wasn't a Disney or Marvel movie. But, um, man, yeah, unfortunately for me, that's kind of like the last – it's the last big movie for this year that I'm really excited about. I mean, Star Wars, Avengers, and Jurassic World were like my top three. Um, I'll probably go see Ant-Man, but I'm not like super excited for that. I'll see the new Terminator movie, but, uh, you know, I'm also not like super excited for that. Those both are kind of ones that, um, you know, th- those won't be like, uh, opening night, uh, things for me to go to. I'll just go, you know, on the weekend or maybe during the day when it's cheap or something like that and just check those out. But, um, but of course we got plenty of Star Wars milestones coming up too, um, because, you know, starting in you know, another, what, two or three months in September, we'll have, uh, you know, Force Friday when all the Force Awakens merchandise starts hitting and stuff like that. So, um, you know, obviously the, uh, the Star Wars hype train will start picking up steam here in the next few months. Um, not that it's not already going, uh, at plenty of steam right now. So let's start diving into some of this, uh, some of this news and stuff we have to talk about because we got, uh, plenty of cool stuff here. Um, and, you know, some of you may remember from our last episode, we spent a lot of time talking about uh, the Vanity Fair uh, May 4th episode uh, or issue um, where they revealed a lot of new images and some new information about some characters and things like that. Um, well, they kind of continued on after that and were, uh, you know, releasing some new interviews with uh, just some of the key creative people behind the movie. 
Um, so like they, they published an interview with Lawrence Kasdan. They did one with Kathleen Kennedy. They did one with John Williams. Uh, they did one with Pablo Hidalgo. Um, and so you can, uh, read all these full interviews on the Vanity Fair website. Um, and you know, still not a whole lot of like new, uh, story information or spoilers or anything like that kind of stuff revealed. But for people like me who like, um, you know, like the learning about the behind the scenes process of making movies and stuff, it's just really fascinating to see just all the, the stuff that goes into making this new Star Wars movie and, um, just the, just sort of the process involved and the thoughts and, uh, you know, everything that all these people are going through. So that's some pretty cool stuff. Yeah, definitely. I mean, this Vanity Fair stuff is the gift that kept on giving. <laughs> I mean, we got the issue. Well, first we got the images and the video. Then we got the actual issue. and thought, okay, that's it. It was really cool. But then, like, as the days kept going and every day they post a new interview, like you said, with all the, I like to call it the big creative minds behind The Force Awakens and just getting that insight into what aspects of those people are working on for the movie and what they're doing. And, yeah, especially where we're at right now as far as uh, waiting for the movie to come out and it's still about six months away. Just reading the stuff just gets you more and more excited and just helps pass that time like we talk about. And just knowing how excited the whole crew is for this, I mean, that's a constant thing we've been talking about when there's interviews with, like, J.J. Abrams or now with John Williams that we haven't heard too much from, but how excited he is for it and talking about what themes he's going to be using again that are going to be some familiar stuff and just how he goes about uh, working on a new Star Wars score is some really cool stuff. So, yeah, I think we're about done with the Vanity Fair uh, interviews and reveals for it now, but if they have a few more stuff hidden up their sleeves that <laughs> they're not revealing just yet, I'll be welcome for it. But it was such a pretty cool like a few-week run that we have with this Vanity Fair stuff, and it was just great to get that out off the heel of celebration and finding out some new info too. So yeah, just a great job all around with what Vanity Fair did with their coverage for the force awakens. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, we are now under 200 days left. We're like, uh, what? 186 days or something like that till the force awakens comes out. Um, and man, yeah, just like you said, just this, this countdown is going to be, uh, so exciting as we find out more and more stuff. Um, but the one other thing from these Vanity Fair interviews, uh, that's got people talking the most. Um, I mean, you would think people would be exciting, excited to read these interviews with uh, Lawrence Kasdan and Kathleen Kennedy and all this stuff. But the the one interview that got the most attention was this interview with Annie Leibovitz, who uh, was the photographer who took all those pictures from the actual issue, uh, where we got our first look at well, kind of our first look at Captain Phasma, or it was it was the uh, the first time we got the name of the character officially revealed, um, mm-hmm. that it was played by Gwendolyn Christie. We got the first look of Adam Driver's Kylo Ren, uh, first look at Lupita Nyong'o with the, the CGI dots on her face for her character, Maz Kanata. Uh, so they're interviewing Annie Leibovitz about, uh, you know, just what it's like to be on the, the Star Wars set and taking all these pictures and stuff. But then just in the middle of this interview, they throw in one more new character reveal that uh, wasn't in the issue. And that is Andy Serkis in a CGI motion capture suit uh, playing the role of Supreme Leader Snoke. Um, And uh, yeah, I mean, this is one of those things that just kind of drops out of nowhere. There was no hype around it. It wasn't like, uh, you know... It wasn't like on Monday they sent out something saying, hey, this Friday we're going to re- release another new character from The Force Awakens. Um, it's just like I'm sitting there on my phone at work and, uh, you know, something comes up on Twitter and I'm like, Supreme Leader Snoke, where did that come from? <laughs> um, 
But, uh, yeah, I mean, certainly uh, just something to stir the pot some more. We don't know anything about this character other than the fact that uh, he's called Supreme Leader. And then Andy Serkis is sitting here with uh, definitely what you could call a, um, I don't know, stern, maybe malicious kind of look on his face. Uh, There's even some creepy lighting in this picture um, that definitely makes it look like he's going to be playing a villainous character. Um, so I'm assuming that, uh, Supreme Leader Snoke is probably going to be the head of the First Order and probably the new Emperor figure in this movie. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's cool to see this and just kind of speculate on what this character could be. Totally. I mean, yeah, it's cool that we got another actor from that cast photo in the cast reading that (laughs) we got a name and know a little bit about now. So we're getting closer to getting all those roles filled there. I think... The only two left is Domhnall Gleeson and uh, Max von Sydow as far as that initial press release as far as actors and who they're playing. But yeah, Supreme Leader Snoke. Um, when I heard it, this is one that's still, I'm still getting used to as far as the, the name Snoke. Captain Phasma uh, kind of took me a little while to get used to, but now it's just rolling off the tongue. It just feels natural. Snoke seems to be taking a little longer for me. <laughs> I mean, I love the Supreme Leader title. It's not uh, Emperor or anything like that. It's something different. And but Snoke, I don't know. I have a feeling though it's not going to be his like real final name. There's going to be more to Andy Serkis's character than getting revealed so far in this uh, interview. And even, I don't know if we'll even get a full reveal in the movie as far as his true intention. We'll have to wait and see because I always go back to that where we're speculating on all this stuff and characters and their relationships with one another. We might not get all that revealed in The Force Awakens. We got two more other movies in this trilogy where they may be saving some stuff, but you never know. But one thing I was thinking of when you were talking about how East Polly is going to be the the new like Emperor Palpatine type figure in this movie and maybe the new trilogy and the leader of the First Order. And I definitely agree with that. But one thing I was thinking of before when this initially got announced, I was like, well, it just says he is Supreme Leader Snoke. Doesn't mention anything about him like being force sensitive or a Sith or anything like that. So I was thinking, well, maybe there's going to be like another like puppet master behind the scenes that we don't know about, where that is going to be the Force user and the Sith Lord, and he's just the figurehead of this First Order. But then I realized, well, no, Andy Sir was uh, revealed that Andy Circus was the voiceover in the first teaser trailer, and the person talking there is probably safe to assume he is force sensitive with his dialogue about saying there's been an awakening have you felt it so it does tend to believe that yeah he's going to be the leader of the first order and someone who is force sensitive or has at least knowledge of the of the force so yeah which was something else that was kind of interesting to think about because i'm like well uh you would assume from that dialogue if that is in fact a line from the movie which you know it could be um that, like you said, that character is at least force sensitive, but he might not necessarily be uh, dark side. You know, maybe he's, I mean, you know, obviously the assumption would be like he's going to be Kylo Ren's Sith Master or something like that, but maybe he just has a little bit of force sensitivity that's never really like manifested itself as powerful enough to become, you know, a Jedi or a Sith, or maybe he's just chosen to sort of stay neutral or, um, you know, it could kind of be like Leia in the EU where, you know, she had the potential to become a Jedi, but was just more focused on politics and stuff like that. He could be a powerful force user who's just more focused on uh, running the First Order. Um, but I'm like, that that would kind of be interesting to see, um, 
you know, someone who's sort of a villain in a, a political sense and that he's the head of, you know, who we perceive to be the bad guys, but that he's um, maybe rather than actively taking part in either the light side or the dark side is just sort of sensitive to all of it that's going on. And maybe, uh, you know, I don't know, that that could be an interesting new take on it. Um, or he could just be, you know, the new big bad Sith dark side guy, whatever uh, the the main villains are going to be in this movie. But um, either way, should definitely be cool to see. the The whole CGI thing is also um, an interesting uh, discussion point. I know you know we've talked about this at length before, and uh, you know the fact that obviously Andy Serkis is like the best actor in the business for doing uh, this kind of motion capture work. He's got the most experience with it and doing all that kind of stuff, but. Um, you know, we've seen him in some movies acting as just himself and he's a a fine actor in his own right. And so I know some people who like really wanted to see, uh, just him on screen and then other people who were like, well, you know, if if you're going to do a motion capture character, why not get Andy Serkis to do it? Um, but the thing that's kind of interesting here is, uh, wondering like what type of character this might be because, I mean, I know the the old EU isn't necessarily canon anymore, but there was a lot of stuff established in there about the Empire and their uh, sort of prejudice against aliens and that sort of thing. So Mm -hmm. it's almost hard to imagine, uh, you know, some weird alien guy, especially one that's, uh, you know, alien enough to need CGI. It's not like uh, Admiral Thrawn where he's just all, you know, basically a a human but with blue skin and red eyes. Um, You know, if the Supreme Leader Snoke is like a really... Uh, sort of non-human alien kind of creature, it'd be a little odd to see him, like, commanding stormtroopers and stuff. But at the same time, if he's, like, a powerful enough uh, kind of commanding figure, um, you could be like, well, I can see how this guy kind of just, like, swooped in and took control. But the other thing that it had me wondering, um, and this is maybe a little bit of a spoiler here for some people who haven't been keeping up with all the the rumors and uh, leaks and things like that, but if you remember from way back... Uh, when that first batch of leaked concept art came out and there was an image of a character uh, with obviously, you know, a scarred face with a lot of cyborg implants and and metal and, uh, you know, almost, you know, more machine than man. Um, And he's holding Darth Vader's helmet. And a lot of people at the time were speculating that that was Kylo Ren. Mm -hmm. Um, And now that we've seen Kylo Ren, I'm wondering, uh, you know, if that is him, um, you know, was that from like an earlier concept where they they were going to have him be a cyborg and then they just just decided to go with a mask in the end instead um is he still going to be partially cyborg under the mask and maybe that's why he wears the mask is to conceal all that or could that character be supreme leader snoke and that's why they need andy circus to to be doing motion capture because it is a human character but it's just one with so much uh you know metal and circuitry and whatnot on his face that you know, it would be hard to apply just through makeup and then still make it like move when he talks and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because I was thinking the same thing where obviously we know he's not going to be a normal looking human in his uh, motion cap suit and the effects that they're going to use. But yeah, I thought the same thing where what if he is going to play like that cyborg character that we saw in those concept art and it's not Kylo Ren. And that was maybe early concepts that was supposed to be Kylo Ren, but then, you know, as the script got developed more, they had decided to make that Supreme Leader Snoke. I mean, who knows what they're going to do, but I definitely think that is a possibility now as far as if that's actually going to be uh, either Snoke or I still think, I mean, I'm 50-50 on it where it could be him or if Kylo Ren gets injured in a battle with uh, one of the new characters or 
Luke or someone like that, where he has to end up having the cybernetic look on his face and all that stuff too. So still thinking can go either way, but it should be interesting to find out. And I'm not giving up the hope where, I mean, there's been speculation and speculation that it could be a familiar, like, ancient Sith lore, like in the vein of Darth Bane or even the Darth Plagueis coming back for it. I don't think it ruled out that possibility either, where they're still keeping that a surprise. I mean, he, the CG stuff he's doing could be for immune, so mm-hmm. <laughs> which we all know is Plagueis. So I saw a lot of people, because we know that speculation going out there, and I've seen some people say online that, oh, this kind of definitely debunks him being like Plagueis or someone familiar. I'm like, no, not necessarily. I mean, he's obviously doing a CG character and the Supreme Leader Snoke name. That could just be a name he's using as a disguise to hide his true identity and something will be revealed later. So I definitely think there's more to this character than than meets the eye right now is with his name and as far as what actually he's going to look like. So should be interesting to see when we finally get that reveal. I mean, I wonder how much they're going to keep him a secret if we're going to get it in the next trailer or they're going to save it for when we actually see the movie. I don't know. It should be interesting. Yeah, definitely. And uh, yeah, man, if they're going to bring back any ancient Sith Lord, I still am kind of on board with the Plagueis idea. Mm. Um, I mean, I'm not sure. I'm still not sure if I actually want that to happen just because I do like the idea of them also, you know, just creating their own new villains and not necessarily trying to just continue reusing old stuff. But I think I would like it. I mean, if they did bring back Plagueis, I would like it for uh, for one reason, because it would have a, a nice tie into the prequels there. Um, and, you know, because obviously with what we've seen from the trailers and stuff, this is all trying to evoke, uh, you know, the original trilogy. They're bringing back the whole cast and all this kind of stuff. Um, and there's a lot of focus on sort of going back to that style of, of storytelling and whatnot. And not that I have any problem with that, because, I mean, I love the OT and I, I think I'm going to love this movie either way. But... It would be nice to, uh, you know, have a callback or two to the prequels in there as well, just to make it all feel like one big cohesive saga and not and, and that this isn't just a sequel to four five and six, but that it's a sequel to episodes one through six and continuing that entire storyline. Um, and exactly. then also, you know, just because um, I'm, I've, I'm sure I've probably said on here before how it bugs me sometimes when they bring dead characters back to life. And especially, you know, in the EU when they like cloned Palpatine or whatever. Um, and in, you know, The Force Unleashed 2 where they're like, hey, that first game was really cool and made a lot of money. Let's make another one so we can make more money. Oh, but we killed off the protagonist at the beginning uh, or at the end of the last one. Uh, what, what do we do for this one? I don't know. Let's clone him. Yeah. <laughs> Because uh, that's so original, even though we already had, you know, a whole movie about that in the Star Wars, you know, in Star Wars. Um, but with Plagueis, I think it would actually work because, again, we've sort of established the seeds of, uh, you know, Palpatine saying that he was, you know, trying to, to search for uh, eternal life and um, trying to, you know, save people from death and all that kind of stuff. And as far as we know, Plagueis failed and Palpatine killed him, but there could be more to that story that we don't know. Exactly, um, yep. So, yeah, I mean, just something interesting to think about would be kind of cool to see. But, uh, I don't know, we'll, we'll uh, see that when the time comes, I guess. I, I certainly would not expect that to be anything that would be revealed before the movie comes out, if that is the case. Um, but we do know when we might be seeing uh, a few more uh, details about the film come out. And that is going to be at San Diego Comic-Con, um, and they just recently announced that, uh, you know, there's going to be a whole big Star Wars presence there at Comic-Con. They're doing all these different panels. 
Um, but of course, the big one um, in the the legendary Hall H of San Diego Comic Con, where all the sweaty nerds line up for like two days just to get in for a panel and see the first sneak peek of their their favorite movie that's coming out. Um, but of course, you know we, we've got a Force Awakens panel officially announced for that, um, and you know Kathleen Kennedy, J.J. Abrams, and Lawrence Kasdan are going to be there as well as special guests. Uh, so. I don't know. I'm wondering who those guests might be. I'm, I'm guessing, you know, John Boyega, Daisy Ridley, and Oscar Isaac are probably good bets to show up again, um, as well as possibly Harrison Ford, Mark Hamill, and or Carrie Fisher, and maybe a couple new people, like maybe Adam Driver will be there for the first time, or Gwendolyn Christie, now that they've sort of been officially revealed in their roles. That's um, true. But, uh, yeah, should definitely be... Um, exciting to see whatever news comes out of that. Um, and I mean, you gotta think they're going to be showing a new trailer again already, right? I know that's the question. I mean, I gotta say, I was really surprised by this news. I mean, I did not think The Force Awakens was going to have that big of a presence at Comic Con. I knew Lucasfilm would be there. They usually always have something there, like with Rebels and some smaller stuff. But for The Force Awakens and to lab J.J. Abrams and Kathleen Kennedy there, and Lawrence Kasdan, too. I mean, he wasn't even at Celebration. So I think this is going to be a big deal. I always thought they were going to say whatever, if they had a new trailer or some something new to reveal at D23. But now, with this announcement at Comic-Con, I don't think you'd have all these big players who are involved with the movie be there and not do something special again like what happened at Celebration. I think you're right, too. This could be a time where we will see the big three together on stage for the first time because we know Harrison Ford can make the celebration because of the plane crash injury, but he has been to a Comic-Con before, and I remember him being like kind of taken back by how like appreciated he was amongst the fans and enjoyed his experience. So I think he's probably feeling better and healed up now from his injuries, and if he's going to make an appearance for Star Wars The Force Awakens, this is the spot where it's going to be. And yeah, as far as what we're going to get, I, if you would have asked me before this got announced, I would say the soonest we would get a new trailer would be at D23, maybe not even then. But with this, I think it's a strong possibility now we might get a new trailer here. It's because it's they're going to do something big for here. And hopefully it's not just a like Comic-Con exclusive thing where <laughs> they only show some footage or a new trailer there and then we have to wait a bit. Hopefully they'll do like celebration, put it online right away. Yeah, but, I think they will. Yeah, because they know, especially in this age with you know cell phones and everything, and with all the hype surrounding this Star Wars movie already, they know people want to see this, and they know that you know we're we're all going to see it within five minutes anyway, whether it's through an official release on YouTube or something, or whether it's through somebody's bootleg cell phone video. Um, so you know, I, I think Lucasfilm has been pretty smart about this. Um, in that, you know, when they release new trailers and stuff at conventions, they don't try to, you know, delete everybody's bootleg videos off YouTube and keep it under wraps for a while. Like they've done with, you know, the Batman V Superman, uh, Mm -hmm. teaser trailer from last year's Comic-Con where, uh, you know, most people have probably seen that teaser trailer, even though it was, you know, not supposed to be, uh, you know, put online. It was supposed to be an exclusive just for the fans there. But also, that was just a little teaser. It's something that's coming up like two years away. And for The Force Awakens, which is going to be just like, I don't know, what, five or six months out um, by the time Comic Con rolls around, uh, yeah, like they know everybody's going to want to see this and it's close enough that I think, you know, this will just be the next official trailer. Because the other thing 
Um, of course, the next big, uh, you know, Disney Marvel movie that's coming out is going to be Ant-Man on what, July 17th. Um, and the, the Star Wars panel at San Diego Comic-Con is going to be Friday, July 10th. Uh, they don't list a date or uh, they don't list a time for it here in this press release, but it does say uh, it's going to be on Friday, July 10th. So uh, that's, you know, a week before Ant-Man comes out. So if anything, um, you know, if they don't release it to the public, you know, right after it shows at Comic-Con, I bet you anything we'll be seeing that trailer in movie theaters in front of Ant-Man that weekend, um, which that would actually be something that would get me to go see that movie opening weekend and not wait till later. Like, I'll be there opening night if there's a Star Wars trailer <laughs> in the IMAX 3D show. And I'll still be cursed or I will see it in the movie theater. because <laughs> you got to go watch more 3D movies, too. That seems like to be the problem, yeah. <laughs> See, the only thing that still makes me a little, not worried, but just wonder if we are going to, they will like put it online afterwards, because Comic-Con's kind of weird. I'm going by, because you mentioned Batman v Superman, but even on the Marvel front, they're kind of, sometimes they release stuff online, what they show, and sometimes they don't, because I remember last year they showed first footage from Avengers Age of Ultron and Ant-Man, those didn't get put online, but then thinking back to years ago with like with Iron Man, the first one that that footage they showed there came online like the day after, and I think what they showed for Thor in like 2010 that got put online too. So I don't know, this kind of hit and miss in what they put online and what they keep secret. So it can go either way. I mean, like you said, Lucasfilm does a great job from no matter what conventions they're at with putting their stuff online because I remember for the Clone Wars when they showed that uh, like first season five footage with Obi-Wan with uh, on Mandalore with the Death Watch and the, like, that clip that they showed there was premiered at Comic-Con. It was up either hours or the next day. So I kind of tend to lean more toward where hopefully Lucasfilm's in charge and not uh, where it's like Disney as far as uh, having the say of releasing stuff because Lucasfilm always does a great job of getting everything out there right away. So I don't know. I'm, I, I mean, I'm not going to complain when we get a new trailer. Of course not. But I, I'm just surprised that it's going to be this soon after Celebration Anaheim because really I'm still on a high from that one. <laughs> I mean, it <laughs> seems like it still wasn't that long ago, and the fact that we're going to get another one, hopefully, this and what three months later, it's just crazy. I mean, bring it on because we're all going to be geeking out when we see that, and just again, just speculate on as far as what new stuff they'll show and what uh, we can expect later on from that because I thought three trailers would be the limit. But if we're going to get another one this soon, I would think there would be another one in the fall or like a few months before the actual release. So maybe we'll even get four. Yeah. Fans. Well, here's the thing, too. I mean, the two trailers that have been released so far have just been teasers. Mm, good um, point. They haven't you know, actually shown anything about uh, – you know, they haven't told us anything about the story. It's all just been imagery of characters and ships and cross-hilted lightsabers and awesome new masks – uh, for villains and stuff. Um, Captain Phasma, of course, you're talking about. <laughs> I, I said masks, not shiny helmets. Um, but, you know, Phasma's cool too, just second to Kylo Ren. Um, but, I mean, you're talking about the, the Marvel stuff from last year, though, with, uh, you know, showing Ant-Man and uh, Avengers Age of Ultron and stuff like that. But even in that case, those were for movies that were, you know, more than a year away. Um, and so that's something where, they wouldn't normally release a trailer for something that early, but they would show like the first teaser footage or something just exclusively for Comic-Con, like for the nerds who are really excited about it, you know, a year ahead of time already. 
Um, but the general public isn't like ready to get hyped up for it yet. So that makes sense that they wouldn't release that stuff yet. But with Star Wars, um, I mean, like I said, the hype train is already rolling and I mean, you know, like I said, they're getting ready to kick off their big, you know, merchandising and all the promotional stuff pretty soon anyway. So I think it makes perfect sense to release a new trailer there at Comic-Con and then just, you know, release it to the public and that's going to be the next new trailer that we get. Now, if they have any more kind of preview type stuff, like if they maybe show, um, I don't know, a whole action sequence or a couple dialogue scenes or something like that, then I would maybe expect that kind of stuff to be uh, kept more under wraps. Like that would be just a Comic-Con exclusive, but I still would expect them to show, you know, maybe like a couple clips during the panel and then at the very end show the new trailer that's going to be shown to everybody. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, whatever it is, I'm I'm super excited. And like I said, I'm thinking this might be the first actual trailer trailer that maybe gives us some story details maybe they're just gonna blow the lid off the fact that ray is han and leia's daughter because i get the feeling that even though it's still just you know speculation on this point although you know i've had a very strong feeling about that all along like as we get closer and closer to release i think it's going to be hard to keep a lid on that um yeah. Just through, you know, the, the various like marketing and promotional stuff. And it's going to get leaked in some book or on the back of some action figure or something. Um, and we're all just going to be like, oh, yeah, that's what I was predicting the whole time anyways. Yeah, just have her walk on stage with Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher. <laughs> Make the big announcement right there. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, um, actually, on uh, Twitter, I put it out like, what do you guys think or expect to be shown at Comic-Con? Because it's really up in the air as far as speculation can go wild on what you think they'll show and uh, we got a response from brian bailey who said he thinks so announce the cast of rogue one and a brief synopsis to set up the force awakens but while I, rogue one stuff would be cool i mean i don't think we're going to get that because the panel is specifically called for the force awakens and there's that whole mission impossible rogue nation thing <laughs> that's still going to be going on during that time so probably won't get that much rogue one stuff but um then uh jimmy riddler who says that he expects a trailer too, but wants some more space shots with that. And that got me thinking, while Jimmy wants to see it with some more space shots, there's one thing we haven't gotten in any trailer yet. Um, we've seen Kylo Ren's lightsaber, but we haven't seen any lightsaber duels. Well, for sure, we're going to see in the movie, and that would be something I would really look forward to seeing a new trailer, because that's the one thing we haven't gotten yet in the first two teasers that are normally staples in Star Wars trailers. We always get a little tease of some lightsaber duels. But then uh, we got also a response from uh, Pablo Monroy, who brought up something that I think is a strong possibility. He thinks we'll get the trailer and probably our first look at the official poster. And mm. I think Comic-Con would be a perfect spot to release that and maybe have some like exclusive on sale uh, that they'll be selling at the convention or something like that. Because, yeah, I remember, I don't think they, I remember for Revenge of the Sith, they announced the title and they had those exclusive shirts, but I don't think that first teaser poster was there with Anakin and, like, you see his cloak, like, from behind forming the Darth Vader mask. I don't remember if that was, that was revealed at Comic-Con or not. I don't think it was, but part of me <laughs> still has a slight possibility where it could have been. But either way, I think having the poster debut at Comic-Con would be a big deal, too. I mean, not quite as big as the trailer. I'm kind of hoping for both, but I can still see a way where maybe that will be the big thing they show there and just kind of make some reveals about characters, maybe show some more like official shots maybe of Maz Kanata and what she would really look like. And maybe that's where we'll get our look at uh, Supreme Leader Snoke and what he's going to be looking like in the movie. So, yeah, like I said, a bunch of possibilities of what can be shown here. I mean, the ultimate's going to be the trailer and more new info, but... 
I don't know. We'll just have to wait just uh, really under a month away now. So it's going to be here before you know it. And like I said before, I think on Twitter, where it's just another thing to add onto our Force Awakens hype calendar. <laughs> we now got San Diego Comic-Con as the next big step as far as this movie and getting some new exciting stuff for it. So should be fun. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, those are all some good possibilities as to what we might see. Um, I, I kind of am in agreement with uh, whoever it was. You just said that wanted to see some more uh, space shots and stuff like that. Um, because yeah, I mean, we've seen some pretty cool looking shots of, uh, you know, Poe Dameron and his squad flying their X-Wings over the water. And I'm like, that looks awesome. That's something we haven't seen before, but I still really want to see a space battle in this movie. Um, so I hope maybe we get a little tease of that. You know, some lightsaber action would be cool as well. I do think we will get our first look at um, probably Maz Kanata's character. Snoke might be a little bit more, um, you know, I'd be less certain about that one just because, you know, they, they like their shady, secretive bad guys. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure we'll get some cool new stuff in this trailer and I just, oh man, I can't wait. And a poster would be awesome as well. Um, just as long as we can like buy it right away and, uh, you know, I, I need that on my wall. Yeah. Hopefully not just a poster, but make t-shirts of the poster too. Cause I'm sure that oh, would look awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I still need to get me a Force Awakens t-shirt. They had one at, you know, they had a celebration exclusive one. Um, and obviously, there was no way I was going to wait in like four hours in line at sure. the celebration store just to get one of those when there was other stuff to be doing. Yeah, um, I've still got to get that perfect shirt to wear on opening night. <laughs> oh, absolutely. There's some cool like uh, like fan art t-shirts going on online right now that have a lot of cool Kylo Ren stuff. I remember we were talking about that on Twitter. Uh, I just actually got one that's pretty cool where it has in the pose of uh, Queen's Bohemian Rhapsody where it's just other faces, but you got Palpatine, Darth Vader, Darth Maul, and Kylo Ren on the bottom. It just looks really cool. <laughs> so when I saw that, like, oh, that's a much like a must-purchase right away. So right now that's my first The Force Awakens related shirt, but... So I'm sure there'll be tons more coming out, whether it's like through officially through Lucasfilm or through these like artists uh, and all these different uh, T-shirt websites that come out. So you, by the time you got a Kylo Ren T-shirt first, Captain Phasma would be disappointed in you, Tim. Uh, she would. I just haven't but found me the and, perfect but, one yet. But me and Paul are so proud of you. <laughs> <laughs> I figured you would. But that's the thing. I saw it like, okay, let me check Captain Phasma real quick. I typed it. <laughs> I saw I was, like there was like one T-shirt. It was a site called T Public. That's where I look for most of them. There was one that's like, mm-hmm. I mean, Captain Phasma looks cool, but it's not like a must-buy one. Where it's like the images and the design of it looks so awesome. But I'll there'll probably be more later on. So I'm gonna wait on for that. But yeah, I think I did some searching on there as well. I looked for Kylo Ren shirts on there. There weren't any that like immediately grabbed my attention. That I was like, I have to get that. Um, but there were some pretty cool looking ones, and I will probably end up getting one sooner than later. I also got a Darth Revan shirt on there uh, recently that I wore to Phoenix Comic-Con back at the end of May and uh, was just walking around the show floor buying stuff. And, uh, you know, a guy saw my Darth Revan t-shirt and uh, offered me a deal on a Darth Revan mask that he was selling. So I now have myself a Darth Revan mask, and it's only a matter of time before I have the full costume. <laughs> so I thanked him for the discount, but I said, you probably really just cost me like four or $500 because now I got to do the whole rest of this. Yeah. <laughs> I know. You just can't stop there. Nope. You know, he was so, talking about like, oh, yeah, you can you know hang this on your wall. It'll make a nice decoration. I'm like, screw that. If I'm going to get this, I'm going to wear it. <laughs> 
So you're going to go to the Force Awakens premiere with a cool Kylo Ren shirt, or are you going to go full on Darth Revan costume by then? <laughs> oh, I think for the Force Awakens, i got to go Kylo Ren shirt. Yeah, you got to have something related to the movie. <laughs> yeah. I figure Although, by the th- oh, I don't know, man. I, I don't know. I figure by the time we get to December, my closet is going to be full with not just Star Wars shirts, because it already is, but just the Force Awakens related shirts to choose from. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, especially once all the official ones start hitting mm-hmm. um, and you see them in, you know, at like Target and Walmart and stuff on the shelves, because um, those places already have, you know, you walk in any like Target or Walmart, they've got at least like three or four different Star Wars shirts. Um, and, you know, a lot of them are like older ones that have been around for a while. And it's just like a logo or, uh, you know, they've got the ones with like the blueprints of the Millennium Falcon or an AT-AT or something yeah. like that. But um, yeah, I, I'm sure that once we get closer to The Force Awakens, you'll start seeing some with the new Stormtrooper helmet or Kylo Ren or whatever. And hopefully they're as cool as the ones we're seeing now on these like different t-shirt sites because these ones are pretty darn cool. And hopefully the official ones will be just as cool, if not cooler. But regardless, yeah, these things are cool, man. I mean, I didn't even realize until kind of recently that this was, you know, sort of such a big trend with like, you know, these websites where it's basically just artists who make their own artwork and put it on a t-shirt. And then, uh, you know, I'm sure they get some cut of the profits or whatever. And the the website just, you know, prints these art designs on t-shirts and you can buy them and pick your size and pick your color and whatnot. Um, Some of our cool crossovers too. Like you can mix up some franchises are pretty funny. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's definitely some cool ones on there. Um, I mean, there's one, I've seen one of like the Pokemon Pikachu wearing a black cloak and shooting lightning out of its fingers, like Palpatine (laughs) and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, all kinds of cool stuff on there. Anyway, getting back on topic after our long t-shirt rant. There's our plug for (laughs) T-Public. They better pay us for that or something. I don't even know anybody that works there. I don't know them anything. Um... Oh, yeah. So anyway, I mean, before we move on from talking about Comic-Con, oh, wait, no, we have a whole other section of Comic-Con stuff to talk about. And that is uh, some of the exclusive toys and stuff that you can pick up there. Um, So the first official uh, Star Wars The Force Awakens toys are going to be available at San Diego Comic-Con. Actually, I think they're going to have the first ones on display. The only one that you can actually buy, not that this is any sort of disappointment or anything, um, is the six inch black series, uh, first order stormtrooper, yeah. um, in a special edition box that's got like the first order logo on it. And, uh, you know, some cutouts showing like the, the trooper and its weapons and all that kind of stuff. I mean, just looks so freaking cool. It and sure does, I man. would love to get my hands on one of these. Um, except, I mean, with stormtroopers, you know, like this is not going to be just a comic-con exclusive. It's going to be, in you know on store shelves by the time the movie comes out but you know it won't be in the same packaging i don't know maybe it won't come with all the same accessories or something like that um i mean i'm yeah. sure this is going to be just a wicked collector's item for people that can say i was there at comic-con and got the very first force awakened stormtrooper figure oh man yeah i know it's going to be gone real quick <laughs> by the time <laughs> yeah. the convention starts but it does say that yeah the packaging is a comic-con exclusive but then the limited number will be available afterwards at the HasbroToyShop.com. So I'm sure those will go real quick, too. So oh, like if you're not yeah, going to Comic-Con, you'll probably that. just want to keep on that website and keep checking and refreshing to get yours. I'm sure they're going to go real quick because it's pretty good. The price isn't that bad either, just $24.99. So yeah. to get a collector's yeah. item, it'll be worth it. Yeah, and even if you have to pay um, you know, extra shipping or something for the online 
Like, heck, I'll still get one of those. Exactly, I know. <laughs> Remind yeah. me about that, Tim, because I forgot that these are going to be online afterwards. I was just thinking Comic-Con exclusive. I'm not going to be there. Oh, well. Um, but yeah, it is cool that they're making this available online. You know, and they probably do that because there are so many, like, scalpers at Comic-Con who, you know, get all the exclusive stuff and then just sell it online afterwards to mm. people who weren't able to be there for it. So it is kind of nice that they're doing this. Um, and I'm sure there will still be some people there at Comic-Con who are going to do that anyway. But I think what they're trying to do is kind of curb that a little bit so that, you know, the, the Comic-Con exclusive is for the fans at Comic-Con who really want it. And then for the people at home who aren't able to get it at Comic-Con, like they have a chance to get it too. So it's not just trying to buy it on eBay from the people who were there. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, hopefully everyone who wants them online will be able to get one, but I just have a feeling they're going to go real quick. <laughs> There's going to be some disappointed people out there with them who will eventually have to go to eBay, unfortunately, to real if they really want one. I mean, some of the stuff uh, for Sword of Stormtrooper, I believe like a week or two ago, it leaked out where some are already selling on eBay, and I know a few people who got them already. So there's definitely yeah, well, going to be a demand it was, for it. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure how somebody got their hands on it, but uh, yeah, I mean, before this official release came out, somebody had one for sale on eBay, and it was like out of the package. I mean, maybe it was, uh, you know, one that got discarded from Hasbro that had like a slight defect in it or something. I don't know. Um, I don't know how all that manufacturing works and how people get their hands on this stuff ahead of time unless they just flat out stole it in which case i don't know why oh, you're posting that on ebay because that's yeah. like hey cops i'm over here um <laughs> you know you looking for the guy with the stolen star wars merchandise i'm selling it over here um Did that c3po voice over here <laughs> over here take me to jail <laughs> Um, yeah, so anyway, I mean, you've got the uh, the six-inch Black Series Stormtrooper that's going to be on sale there, and then they've also got some images here from Entertainment Weekly of just a couple other new toys that I believe will just be on display for the first time at Comic-Con, yeah. but I don't think you can pick these up. Um, but one of them is a, a Lego figure of the First Order Stormtrooper, and it's not just like a Lego minifigure, it's one of these, um, kind of like the, the Bionicles or whatever, that's actually like a a good size figure that you build out of Legos. Um, and I'm not sure how big these things are, but they're, uh, Oh, it says it's a, a nine inch figure with posable limbs and everything. And so you build it out of smaller Lego parts. Um, and then they also have a, uh, a force awakens, uh, sort of styled after the Stormtrooper, uh, hot wheels car, um, that just kind of, you know, the front end is a, a white little sports car with the, you know, the front end of it is, kind of modeled after the the visor on the helmet there um, yeah never been a big hot wheels guy so i think yeah. the coolest part about that was the box art or the carded box for the hot wheels toy so that's a cool pose of the new stormtrooper firing his blaster that looks awesome yeah i mean i guess if you love star wars and you love toy cars then you know this kind of goes hand in hand but i'm like i could get a car that kind of looks like a stormtrooper helmet or i could get a figure of an actual stormtrooper i think i'm going to take option number two Exactly. And that Lego figure, it looks more, it seems like a Transformer Stormtrooper than anything. It looks like that Hot Wheels toy car can transform into that Lego figure, even though it's <laughs> a lot bigger, but that's the vibe I got from it. Yeah. And same thing there. I mean, if I'm going to get a nine inch Lego Stormtrooper figure, I might as well just get a six inch Stormtrooper. Um, that Lego figure won't be on sale till January 2016. So is that 
uh, first look at Comic-Con is going to be <laughs> like the only place you'll be able to see it for a while. <laughs> yeah, keep that image burned in your brain because you won't see it again for a while. Yeah, take um, plenty of pictures. Except, uh, I mean, we've also seen a couple of leaked pictures lately of some of the Force Awakens Lego sets. Um, or actually, I guess it wasn't several of them, but it was uh, there was like a list that got leaked out of all the Lego sets that were coming out for it. And then uh, just one picture of Kylo Ren's command shuttle. Um, so even if this thing doesn't come out till January, I bet there probably will be some Lego sets coming out here in time for Christmas and whatnot. Um, so, yeah, I mean, again, there's just going to be so much uh, you know, products and marketing and all that kind of stuff surrounding this movie. And uh, I'm not going to try to get my hands on all of it, but I will definitely be getting a lot of this stuff. It'd just be cool to see tons of Star Wars stuff on store shelves again for a new movie. I always yeah. love that. Yeah, hopefully, like actually tons of star wars stuff and not just like when you go to a store now and see they've usually got a, a pretty sizable shelf area of star wars stuff just with not much stuff on it yeah you that's know, you, you'll too. see like a couple <laughs> of the uh you know a couple han solo six inch black series figures like 18 slave leias because <laughs> i don't know i mean who doesn't love slave leia but for some reason it's just not a very exciting action figure um, or, you know, Greedo or whatever else. It's like you can tell all the unpopular stuff is just kind of sitting around there, and they probably haven't restocked in a while because they're like, look, we've still got Star Wars stuff here. It's like, yeah, but it's not any of the stuff anybody wants, which is I'm why curious, it's still there. And I'm curious to see what unfortunate character from The Force Awakens will have that title as <laughs> a figure that nobody wants and is just going to sit on the shelf. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I mean, maybe Maz Kanata, but who knows? We haven't even seen what she looks like. Um, or, I mean, I was going to say it could be Snoke, but then again, Palpatine figures are always hard to find. So I mean, it's usually like the characters that don't do much stuff action wise. Um, yeah. I think I said it before the Rick Olay from episode one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Probably or just some the, random like X-Wing pilot or something like that. Yeah. Or yeah, I was going to say there's always a lot of like the X-Wing pilots or Naboo guards or whatever. Um, but I mean... I was going to say, on the one hand, hopefully all the characters are great and everybody wants all the action figures, but at the same time, I'm like, save some for me. Yeah. <laughs> so hopefully Hasbro just keeps up with the, the stock and the supply and demand and everything there. Um, but yeah, so I mean, uh, you know, there'll, there'll be that toy stuff there. Um, and then sort of going back to the panels and stuff, in addition to that panel in Hall H where, you know, hopefully we'll be seeing some new stuff from The Force Awakens, there will also be... Uh, two Star Wars publishing panels, there'll be a Star Wars Hasbro panel, uh, there'll be a Star Wars collectibles update panel, um, there'll be a panel about uh, the 40th anniversary of ILM, just looking back at uh, you know all the special effects wizardry they've done for movies over the years. Um, and then uh, something that we'll be talking about a little bit more at the end of the show when we talk about some video game stuff, but um, they'll be talking about, uh, they'll, they'll have a panel there about uh, Star Wars in the Disney Infinity 3.0 game. Um, so for anyone who is fortunate enough to go to San Diego Comic-Con, that is plenty of Star Wars stuff there to, uh, sink your teeth into and, you know, get some cool new previews of stuff. And that's all happening on Friday. Um, yeah. so it I was going like, to say, that's just Friday. I mean, it's Saturday yeah. and Sunday. I mean, we might get, like, I'm sure Rebels is going to have a presence there too. So maybe we'll get some more info if they're going to have a panel on Saturday or Sunday. Mm, yeah, that's true too. Um, yeah, we haven't heard anything about that, but um yeah i mean it seems like friday they're kind of just taking over as star wars day pretty much yeah 
So, uh, yeah, I mean, definitely some exciting stuff to look forward to there. And then before we move on, just speaking on, uh, or, you know, speaking of conventions, um, on our last episode, I think it was our last episode, we talked about um, how they were also, they announced that they're going to release some more Force Awakens stuff at the Disney D23 Expo. And we were talking about how we have no freaking clue what the D23 Expo is. Uh, so I just wanted to give a quick shout out to uh, Jeffrey Fishbach and uh, Jeff Balcom on our Facebook page who uh, you know both responded and said that uh, with D23, the D stands for Disney and the 23 represents 1923, uh, the year that Disney arrived in California and founded uh, the Disney company. So I did not know that, but uh, that's kind of interesting. And now I know why there's those seemingly random numbers in that convention title. So. Yeah. Same here, yeah. The, the D was pretty obvious, but the 23, now we know. <laughs> yeah. And I figured it might be something related to that because I was like, obviously the number doesn't change every year, so it's not like this is the 23rd one because last year was the 23rd one. So um, I don't know, maybe it's uh, something happened in 1923. Well, now we know what happened in 1923. <laughs> but speaking of D23, though, now I kind of wonder if what they showed there is just going to be what they show at Comic-Con because I know they've done stuff like that with Marvel or they did with they would just show some footage that they reveal at Comic-Con and maybe have something new for one of the movies. But now I'm thinking if D23 isn't going to be as big as I originally thought with their presence at Comic-Con. So, yeah, it should be interesting to these next two months in July and August, just what's going to be shown. Which one of those is going to be the bigger deal for The Force Awakens? Oh, I think it'll be Comic-Con, <clears throat> just because that's a bigger convention in general. Mm, um, yeah, you're, yeah, you're probably right on that. Just curious, yeah, D23 now just going to be kind of... Here it is again for those who aren't at Comic-Con type of thing. Yeah, or possibly, I mean, maybe what they could do is have, um, maybe show the trailer at Comic-Con and then maybe reveal the poster or some other, you know, new bit of information or maybe a new clip or something like that at D23. But, um, yeah, I, I think definitely of the two, Comic-Con will probably have the bigger reveals or something. Yeah, regardless, the summer is going to be packed with the Force Awakens stuff. I mean, like I said, it's coming off of April and May with Celebration, some of the Vanity Fair reveals. And June, so far, nothing too really big is getting revealed. But July and August should be plenty of fun to get new stuff to geek out about for the Force Awakens. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, again, like we said, we've got the two conventions coming up in July and August. And then September is when all the merchandise starts hitting. Um and I mean, that's when all the toys are coming out. Have they released a, or have they given a release date yet for the Aftermath novel? Um, you know what? I think they did. But now I'm drawing a blank on when that date actually is. Because <laughs> I remember it was been up in the air as far as when exactly the date was going to be. Or no, what? No, I think I'm thinking of the Force Awakens uh, novel. Not the digital one, but the physical copy book. I think that got a release date for. Uh, January when it's coming out, but oh right, yeah, that's in January. But I mean, you got to think Aftermath is coming out before the movie. Um, yeah, so let definitely. me check this real quick. I'm like, I'm gonna go ahead and Google it because now I want to know. I know I'm getting confused with that in the Force Awakens novel, but uh, yeah, it says on Amazon that it'll be coming out September fourth. Which, again, doesn't surprise me because that's when you know all the stuff is coming out. So in addition to all the new action figures and pillowcases and everything in between, <laughs> uh, you know, the, to have some new books launching on that day as well. Which means, I mean, just save up your money because I'm probably going to just, like, blow so much money just on that one day. Um, 
you know, normally I'd like buy an action figure one week, buy a book a week later. But if there's going to be, you know, all this stuff dropping at the same time, um, you know, I might just have to like go to a midnight release at a Walmart or Target or something and be like, all right, I'm going to grab the book. I'm going to grab a couple action figures. I'm going to grab a Kylo Ren t-shirt and whatever else kind of cool stuff they got. So just take a cart, go through the aisle and just like have your hand on like the pegs and just dump all the stuff in there regardless <laughs> of what it is and then go through it later. <laughs> take a lightsaber and just like be swiping stuff off the shelves with my yeah. <laughs> There you go. Yeah. Yeah, there should be some funny uh, videos coming out for those uh, Midnight Madness experiences to see uh, what type of stuff people are going to be doing to get those figures. Oh, Hopefully yeah, it's not as sure. bad as like Black Friday stuff, but, <laughs> but it should be pretty I hope not. Yeah, and I'm probably going to try to go to like a smaller store. Like I doubt I'm going to go to a Toys R Us because that's probably where everybody is going to be going just for the action figures. I'll go to like, you know, some smaller Target or Walmart or something that's out of the way, but, you know, that's still going to be doing that. Uh, midnight launch thing um, but I don't know I mean we'll, we'll still have time to figure that out uh, and you know I'm sure they'll release more details about that later but I'll probably try to get like a whole group of friends to go who are big Star Wars fans just to kind of say we did it because I'm not usually one of those people that's you know such a big collector that I have to be there uh, you know every release day that a new uh, you know new book or action figure or something like that comes out I'm not one of those people that like waits in front of the store at a Toys R Us on, you know, whatever morning their truck comes when they restock just so I can be like the first one to get my pick of the new Star Wars figures or anything like that. But, um, I mean, just it, it, like I would do it just to be sort of part of the celebration for this whole episode seven build up and all that kind of stuff, exactly, just, to, yeah. just to have fun and say I could. Um, so hopefully, you know, I can get some people there to, to just kind of join in the craziness. Yeah, I totally agree. That's the big thing for me. Just like part of the Force Awakens experience and leading up to that. Because yeah, before I was like that years ago, waiting in line for stores or like Toys R Us before they would open when they get new shipments in and stuff like that. But yeah, those days are long gone. And now it's just part of the lead up experience and just kind of go and see what figures are still there and get which ones I want. So it's not like a oh I must get this and I must have that or be the first or anything like that. Just gonna have fun enjoying the experience of it. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right. So moving on, I think we've kind of hit our, our really big things for the episode, but we still got a lot of smaller stuff left to cover. Um, there's a, uh, an interview with Adam Driver's stunt double from the force awakens. Um, and, uh, this guy's from hung, uh, Hungary. His name's Toth Gaiula. Um, I could be completely butchering that. Uh, but he did an interview with a Hungarian website and it's been translated. Um, and I mean, this is, reported on star wars 7 news.com and i've seen it on you know, a couple other websites since then too but um you know it's doing an interview with him talking about his experience working on it and uh you know one kind of thing that he mentions that a lot of people have been talking about he says i can tell that it is uh, not by chance that the title is the force awakens and that lightsabers will have a major role um more however really i cannot say um but you know like we were talking about earlier with the possibility of maybe seeing a lightsaber duel or something in the trailer when he says uh you know that lightsabers will have a major role um that kind of got some of us speculating on twitter and stuff about uh you know just how many force wielders and lightsaber wielding characters are we going to have in this movie because 
we, we've already got some speculation that like Ray and or Finn, like possibly both of them could end up using a lightsaber at some point. Obviously we know Kylo Ren's got one, but we also have heard about the casting of several different, uh, you know, stunt performers and sword fighting actors and stuff like that that have been cast in the movie. And we really don't know anything about their roles, but, um, you know, maybe there could be more Jedi or Sith in this movie than we originally thought. Maybe there'll be, you know, more big lightsaber battles or something like that. But, um, I don't know. Obviously, I don't think any of us would complain about, uh, you know, seeing another lightsaber duel or, you know, some more force-wielding characters in this movie. Heck no, man. <laughs> I mean, it'll be awesome. I mean, that quote he said right there, that guy would be pretty excited, actually. I mean, of course, we knew lightsabers are going to be in the movie, but the fact that he says The Force Awakens as a title plays into that, I mean, it just got my mind going crazy with speculation as far as what cool new stuff we've never seen before with the Force and lightsabers can we expect in this movie? I mean... It's, you can't even really think of the possibilities. I mean, you got some creative people working on this movie, and I'm sure they're thinking of some cool action sequences and stunts that we haven't seen before to make some really, really cool. So, man, I can't wait. I mean, I was just saying before how I'm hoping to see somewhat some shots of a lightsaber duel in the next trailer that we get. And when I read this, I mean, that just even more so wanted me to see at least a little tease of what we can expect from the lightsaber fights in this movie. I mean, just looking at Kylo Ren's lightsaber, I mean, there's going to be some unique stuff just with that and how it looks. And he even talked about that too in the interview. And he was kind of saying like, when he first saw it, like, oh, I thought I was doing Star Wars, not a medieval movie or something. <laughs> but then when he got to use it and doing the actual scenes and he says there's actually um, a reason why that it does have that crossbar, uh, crossbar on there to have that unique look. So definitely cool to hopefully uh, see that in action. And then, I mean, it's always you hope to get explanations for it, but I also think too, it, it just could be something that it's there and it, there is no explanation for it. I mean, there was no explanation as to why Darth Maul had a, a double bladed lightsaber; he just did. So, the fact that hopefully there will be a reason to why he has that cross uh, guard lightsaber would be pretty cool to get in the movie. But yeah, it was a cool interview overall, just to kind of get. I think one thing I thought was funny that the person in doing the interview was kind of asking about like spoilers. Like, why do you think this leaked or how could the stuff leak being so secretive? He's kind of like, you know, that's kind of like out of my realm. <laughs> I'm really just a stunt guy here. But uh, what he's actually talked about the uh, stunts and the fight choreography and all that stuff. It was a pretty cool interview. So yeah, I'm excited for this to see something from the lightsabers. Uh, I mean, episode one, I think is the Darth Maul, Qui-Gon, Obi-Wan fight, especially just the Obi-Wan Darth Maul fight is still, I think the standard of, lightsaber choreography in a star wars movie and if we can get something that tops that in the force awakens geez man i can't even imagine what that's going to be like so i just can't wait to find out more what we're going to see with lightsaber duels yeah definitely i mean i'm i'm still kind of torn i guess i mean i would say that probably just in terms of like the action the choreography i think that episode one duel probably is still my favorite um but then of course i love the episode three one with anakin and obi-wan i think that's probably the most um, I don't know, maybe like the, the most grand in scope. Um, certainly I think probably the longest lightsaber duel yeah. of all the movies. Um, but I mean, just the, how the environment changes so many times and, you know, it's, it's the most, um, sort of dynamic, I guess, in that sense with them, you know, starting out on the platform and then going in the control room and then being out on the big lava arm and then it falls into the lava and they're floating down the river and, um, you know, just so much movement and action and stuff and, you know, so much more going on than just the lightsaber duel with them having to, you know, dodge magma eruptions and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then I also still am kind of partial to uh, the lightsaber duel in Return of the Jedi um, as far as like being a big dramatic moment. 
Um, I still think that's sort of the the fight that carries like the most emotional story weight, and is also yeah. you know the I think is the coolest lightsaber duel of the original trilogy, which isn't necessarily saying quite as much because there's only like three of them. Really, because um, I actually prefer Empire to Jedi. I get what you're saying about the end of the fight with the whole like when when Luke goes berserk and starts taking out Vader. That's awesome, but I think as a whole, there's something about that Empire Strikes Back duel that just feels so classic to me. Yeah, and you know I I do like the Empire one as well. Um, I mean, that's probably, like, right below the Return of the Jedi one if I had to rank my list of, of favorite lightsaber duels. But, um, I mean, maybe it's just because I loved Luke so much as a kid, and it's, you know, that moment when, uh, you know, Vader beat him the first time, but he's coming back now, and he's, uh, you know, trying to prove himself as a full-fledged Jedi, and he's obviously gotten stronger and more powerful. I also just loved that green lightsaber that he had. Um, so, yeah, I mean... You know, that that one's a, a great one for me because, again, you know, with it taking place during that climax of Return of the Jedi where you're also cutting back and forth to, uh, you know, the space battle and the indoor battle and then, you know, Luke trying to resist Palpatine's temptation and everything. It's, it's just sort of a, it's, you know, a great sum of a whole lot of different great parts there for me. Um, but anyway, here we go on different tangents again. Uh, but I am excited to really excited to see uh, Kylo Ren's lightsaber in action in a lightsaber duel. And, you know, I can't wait to see what he ends up doing with that uh, crossbar saber. And like you were saying with Darth Maul, they never really gave an explanation as to why he needed a double bladed lightsaber, except I think that idea probably just came out of the fact that George Lucas knew, like, I'm going to have this guy fighting two Jedi at the end of the movie. So why don't I have him use, you know, two weapons and I could have him use two lightsabers or, Hey, this would be cool. What if he's got like one lightsaber with two blades sticking out of both ends? Um, and so, you know, I, I think that just was sort of a, a function of the story there. It's like, let's give him two blades and have him fight two Jedi at once. Uh, so I think with Kylo Ren's lightsaber, it'll probably be something similar where it's, you know, I don't think it'll be like instrumental to the plot or anything like that as to why it's, uh, you know, a cross guard saber like that. But I do think he'll do something unique with it in a fight that you couldn't do with, uh, you know, a normal saber. And I'm thinking it could either have something to do with just like catching somebody else's lightsaber on that crossbar, or I'm thinking if he can, uh, turn that part of it on and off independently of the main blade like maybe he'll be fighting somebody with just the main blade and then you know kind of get up close and switch that crossbar on and like stab him with that almost like an extra dagger sticking out of the side or something like that so uh definitely some cool possibilities there and obviously you know new lightsaber duels are, are one of the main things to look forward to in a new star wars movie so uh man just can't wait to to see what happens there oh yeah hopefully soon we'll get our first look hopefully next month <laughs> yeah but at the same time, I don't want them to show off too much of it because, yeah, you know, I, I want to be sitting there in the theater watching, you know, a lightsaber duel or something and have my mind blown just as much as uh, as it was at the end of Jurassic World with that ending. Um, obviously, oh, yeah, I'm not going to say anything more about that for people who haven't seen it yet. But uh, that was so one of the most rousing, crowd pleasing finale showdowns of uh, any movie I've seen in a long time. Yep, totally. Like I was talking about earlier, especially when I saw it with like an early morning crowd at 10 o'clock and when you get <laughs> that crowd all into it, that states something about how cool that final sequence was. I will say too, real quick, I think the for the prequels, they did a good job as far as we're talking about not showing too much in the trailers for, so especially episodes one and two, they didn't show a lot. I mean, there was, when I remember seeing episode one for the first time and seeing the entirety of that Obi-Wan Darth Maul fight at the very end, I mean, I was blown away. We saw just like one 
quick shot of it in the second trailer and that's it but there is so much more cool stuff there and then with yoda too in episode two we got none of that in the trailers and like nothing leaked out for that no clips nothing they did a great job of keeping that a surprise too so i think oh, this is the same surprise? thing with this well at least it was for me i know they didn't show it in any trailers and i'm pretty sure they didn't put it in any commercials or tv spots until well, after it came out okay because i definitely remember seeing it in a tv spot i just don't remember if it was before or after the movie came out no yeah um, i know they definitely put it in tv spots after yeah but then I also remember talking with my mom about something and, you know, she was probably reading like in a magazine or a newspaper about how they were doing the CGI Yoda in this movie um, and probably talked about how that had to do with, you know, they were going to have him in a lightsaber fight. Um, yeah. Well, I will say I didn't know he was going to fight, but I did not see anything about oh, it okay. until the movie actually came out. And yeah, maybe that's what it was. <laughs> and I mean, that's cool, though, because that is definitely something that I think would be more impressive if you're surprised by it and if they kept that under wraps i just don't remember if i actually knew about that or not um but yeah i mean i I certainly you know hope that they keep some surprises for this movie but at the same time like i said i'm not really worried about it because i'm sure they're going to um and i know i've used this as an example before but just with the way that they're keeping a lid on spoilers like you can tell just by the book release the fact that the novel isn't coming out until the day the movie comes out and that's only the ebook so they won't have like printed copies sitting in a back room at Barnes and Noble that somebody can steal and read and leak online or anything like that. Nobody can steal them off the UPS truck. Um, you know, it's just going to be like one person with a digital file on a computer and at midnight on December 18th, they click publish or send or whatever, and it gets uploaded to all the, the ebook services. Um, but you know, they're, and the the physical book isn't coming out till like sometime in January. Um, so just that right there tells me like how closely they're they're guarding the secrets of the story and that there's probably gonna be some really cool stuff in there that we have no idea about yet. Totally, yeah. I know. It's, I'm becoming more and more appreciative of that, where you go into the theater and be surprised by something that happens. Because, like I said, I was so spoiler heavy on the prequels and knew everything that was coming, even though you wouldn't see it. You would know it was coming. But then we we're just talking about, like, with Jurassic World, had no idea what was going to be happening in that ending. And it was just so, so awesome <laughs> to be surprised and experiencing that. So before I was kind of, I don't care as long as I, I know about it, and but seeing it will have the same effect. I think not knowing and then seeing it for the first time in a theater just adds so much more to it now. So I'm kind of changing my stance on that or <laughs> trying to be more surprised in my movie going experience. Oh yeah. I mean, I already know I'm like that because there've been movies that I've seen that got spoiled ahead of time. And especially if it's something big, like a character death or something like that, um, then you know, it's just nagging at me in my mind, the the back of or you know, nagging at the back of my mind for the whole time. Like, you know, you get introduced to this new character and I'm trying to get into it and trying to, you know, like this character or figure out their backstory or whatever. But at the, you know, the whole time I'm just like, you know, they're going to die and I wish I didn't know, but I do. And it sucks. And so, um, but at the same time, I mean, it's star Wars and we're super excited about it and want to know as much as we possibly can without getting spoiled. And so that's why we have this podcast. Um, but, uh, let's see, let's move on and talk about some other stuff here. Um, actually, uh, in the LA times, uh, back earlier this month, um, they posted some quotes from jo- uh, Josh, Trank and Simon Kinberg as to why, uh, Josh Trank left the, uh, second anthology film. And there had been like a lot of controversy around this. And a lot of people were speculating that, um, 
you know, maybe Simon Kinberg wasn't happy with his work on the Fantastic Four movie, or maybe, you know, Josh Trank just didn't get along well with big studio executives and that type of filmmaking and whatever. Um, and I mean, to, to be honest, like people were kind of quick to sort of pounce on him and criticize him and assume that he had gotten fired or that, uh, you know, he had done something wrong or whatever. Um, but then, I mean, basically what he, what, uh, Josh Trank says, he said, he was like, at first I just didn't say anything because he figured that it wasn't going to be that big a deal, but then everybody was coming down on him and coming after him. And so, um, he said, uh, I want to do something original after this because I've been living under public scrutiny, as you've seen for the last year, the last four years of my life. And it's not healthy for me right now in my life. I want to do something that's below the radar. And I have a great relationship with everyone at Lucasfilm and with Kiri Hart. And they all understood because the whole experience for me has been psychologically very hard. Um, and so that's kind of understandable. And I've, I mean, I've heard some people's responses to this saying like, oh yeah, he's just making up crap and uh, you know, he got fired and he can deny it and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, whatever, we don't know the full story. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm okay with just taking his word for it. I don't need to, you know, crucify him for leaving a star Wars movie or whatever. I'm sure they can find plenty of other capable directors to take over here. So I don't think it needs to be as big of a deal as some people are making it into. Um, and Simon Kinberg kind of says the same thing. He says, I've been around some version of this for a long time. Um, and he said, this, I would say is particularly cruel. I haven't really seen this level of vehemence against a filmmaker and it's surreal and unfair. Um, so he kind of seems to be, you know, supporting the same thing saying like, I don't know why everybody's giving him so much crap. This was just his decision and he's doing it every once and yada, yada, yada. So, um, and like I said, there, there still could be more to the story that we don't know, but yeah, I don't know why people are like so quick to jump on him and criticize him, especially when we haven't seen the Fantastic Four movie yet. Um, like I know, you know, there's been some sort of negative press or, you know, early reactions to it or whatever, but, um, still I'm like, man, for, for people who haven't seen the movie yet, people sure are kind of quick to be like, Bleh. yeah, I mean, it's disappointing really to have this be the reason why he doesn't want to do a star Wars movie. Cause I mean, who wouldn't want to do a star Wars movie and the fact that, this Fantastic Four movie, as you mentioned, been getting so ripped apart already before it's even come out. I mean, just think about it. That's for the Fantastic Four. I mean, sure, there a lot of people know about them, but they're not nowhere near Star Wars level. And if people are going to be being like scrutinizing him just for that, imagine what they're going to do for Star Wars, especially if Fantastic Four doesn't do that well. And everyone, I guess the buzz on it, like you're saying, hasn't been the best. And then when it comes out and then most people have a negative reaction towards it, I mean, they're going to be killing him with Star Wars. So, yeah, you could definitely understand why. I mean, like you said, it's kind of be something that's becoming like really a psychological issue for him to do this. So definitely understand it. I think it's just a shame because I really wanted to see what he can do with a Star Wars movie. So, yeah, I mean, it's probably what's best for him. And another thing, too, there's been rumors going around, too, where that him and Simon Kinberg didn't get along, and that's another reason why he reportedly or rumored got, got fired from it. But I thought it was good for Kinberg to say the stuff that he did, saying how, like, this was something that he really hasn't seen on this level before as, as far as, like, this hateful stuff towards a filmmaker. So hopefully they're still on good terms. It kind of sounds like that's the case, and... I don't know. We'll just have to wait and see what happens with the Fantastic Four. I'm kind of hoping that proves a lot of people wrong and it's another good movie from Josh Trank like Chronicle was. And then uh, I don't think it's going to get him back to Star Wars because he seems like he's going to be doing something smaller no matter what. But maybe down the line in years from now, he'll come back and do another anthology film. Because I just think it's a shame that this is the reason why he has to do it. 
or to yeah. leave it actually. Yeah. I mean, it definitely seems like that possibility is still open and, you know, he doesn't say like, Oh, I don't want to ever deal with the pressure of doing a star Wars movie. He just says like, at this point in my life, I just need to do something smaller and under the radar and take a break from doing these big franchise projects. Um, but you know, if, if that relationship with him and Lucasfilm is still intact, like I could definitely see him coming back later. Um, now again, this could all be, you know, PR speak. I mean, when Michael Arndt left, uh, the force awakens, you know, there were people, I think, you know, JJ Abrams or Kathleen Kennedy or somebody released a statement saying like, yeah, we wish him all the best and we'd like to work with him again in the future or something like that. But at this point, I mean, it kind of seems hard to picture him coming back to a Star Wars film anytime soon, um, just because, you know, they've got the writers already for episodes or for the next two anthology films. And then is uh, I believe Ryan Johnson is writing and directing episode eight, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. OK, so um, I mean, I don't know if we'll ever see Michael Arndt come back at any point, but, I, I you know, we, we could still see Josh Trank or like I said, this could just be, you know, PR speak to kind of blow over the whole thing and make it seem like less of a big deal than it is. Um, but, you know, again, I mean, I, I might've said this before. I don't know. Like I'm not looking forward to the new fantastic four movie all that much. I mean, I've seen some of the early trailers and I'm like, this just looks like interstellar with superpowers and you don't even see that many of the superpowers. Um, so, I mean, I've like criticized the trailer, but I'm not like the movie's going to suck and Josh Trank should stay away from star Wars. Cause you know, until I've actually seen the movie, I'm not going to make that judgment. So, um, yeah, I mean, hopefully he can let it blow over and, uh, you know, hopefully people will stop, uh, you know, giving him undue grief until they can actually, uh, you know, at least take a look at that movie and judge for themselves before they just, you know, like I said, jump all over it and criticize him and stuff. But, um, I don't know, like I said, you know, we wish him the best and, uh, wish the best for, uh, whatever is going to end up happening with um, the next anthology film. And we've heard some rumors that it might get delayed now. And then some people saying like, no, they're still going to keep on schedule and keep on track. And um, I mean, that movie is going to be three years away. So I would think at this point, you know, they still have time to bring in a new director and sort of bring them up to speed and keep that on track. But I don't know. We'll see where it goes. Yeah. I'm not worried um, about a delay at all. Like you said, we've yeah. got, there's plenty of time to get a new director for it and, because uh, I think believe Simon Kimberg's writing this one, so I don't think, know if that's been officially announced, but I think it makes sense that it is his that he's doing. So that's not going to change, and they can find a director I think pretty quickly to take it on. So I think it'll still be on track for its uh, 2017 release date or 2018 release date. Oh, okay, yeah, and then um, and there's also speaking of that same second anthology film, um, just been more rumors about you know, the possibility of a Han Solo standalone film or a Boba Fett standalone film, or now the rumor that they could both be in the same movie together, which again, you know, makes sense. Cause I mean, no star Wars movie is ever just about one character and you know, Han and Boba Fett are, uh, you know, I, I would not be surprised if those two characters have met before. Um, I mean, when you see Han talking to Jabba in that scene that was added in the, a new hope special edition, you know, Boba Fett's in there too. So, um, you never know. They could have had multiple run-ins throughout the, that time period of the original trilogy. And I don't think, I mean, that might bother some people who are like purists of the movies, but I mean, that, that wouldn't really detract anything from, from me. Yeah. Um, I mean, we've heard 
rumors about Han Solo standalone movie, Boba Fett standalone movie, uh, movie. And then when you heard it, when I first heard this about them being the same one, I'm like, yep, that makes perfect sense to have them both in one anthology film. Yeah. Now we know that Rogue One is its own thing. So, but if we kept hearing these reports about Han Solo and Boba Fett being in different ones or being part of a anthology film, but just yeah, this makes sense. Why wouldn't you put them both into it? Especially because there's some people who think maybe Boba Fett shouldn't be the main focus of a movie but then when you got han solo in there he doesn't have to be in han solo could be the main focus or either way you want to go with it i mean to get more of what we all think they have this rivalry going on it would be really cool to see that and i think the report was from uh smo's nose that it would be set between episodes three and four so to get something pretty early with them maybe we'll see their first encounter against each other which i think would be pretty cool to see so i just think this makes perfect sense and it kind of lines up to what we've been hearing before where the second anthology film would be about Boba Fett, but at the same time, we've heard rumors about Han Solo still being considered for one. So if you put them together, I mean, like, there you go. <laughs> you got a, two, a pretty cool movie, I think, if you put both of these characters in there. But I still think it's going to be a really, really hard job to cast a new young Han Solo. So <laughs> if that is going to be the case, I mean, hopefully they're already planning and looking at everyone they can now to get a just right because i mean any slight mistake or something where you go eh, that doesn't feel like han solo or young harrison ford it's gonna how it might even ruin the movie so they just got to get this casting dead on if they are going to use a han solo so we'll see i think it's exciting though because i think it'd make for a really cool movie yeah you know it's funny because um you know obviously Chris Pratt is a huge star right now. You know, he's in Jurassic World, he's in Guardians of the Galaxy, and there have been a lot of rumors about him playing a young Indiana Jones. Um, I haven't really heard any rumors about him playing a young Han Solo, but for some reason I'm like, I could totally see him as Indiana Jones, but I just couldn't see him as Han Solo. You know what? I totally um, agree with that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I, I think maybe because Indy has a little bit more of, like, that kind of rugged look, and, uh, you know, I don't know, maybe it's just Chris Pratt with, like, the facial scruff and... Jurassic World or whatever, but um, and plus too with Indiana Jones, you keep hearing the comparison that it could be treated like James Bond, where you get different actors playing him throughout the course of whatever movies they're going to make. But with Star Wars, you really can't do that because of what new canon they're establishing now, or have it be totally separate. Where it's like, oh, it's just like a new version of Han Solo type thing. It's like we get a new version of James Bond or maybe a new version of indie so but star wars you can't do that you got to get that just right so oh yeah exactly i mean because star wars is so much more of a like a linear cohesive story than exactly. either indiana jones or james bond i mean those movies some of them kind of have loosely connecting plot threads and stuff like that but for the most part they're standalone action adventure movies about one single character whereas um you know han is definitely like a big fan favorite character but he he has his designated place within this much bigger overall star wars universe and so um yeah i mean i do think like you said they'd have to find somebody who could you know fit that role really well could maybe put a little bit of a different spin on a younger han solo but it couldn't be somebody who's doing like a completely new take on it like it would have to be somebody who could do a dead on harrison ford impression yeah totally I mean, as much as uh Hugh mcgregor did such a perfect job being a young obi-wan i think it's gonna be even harder for someone to do a young uh, han solo just yeah. how oh, well yeah because especially like if it takes place in between episodes three and four um it's gonna be a much smaller age gap yeah um because especially i mean i doubt they're gonna make a movie about like a teenage han or anything so like if it's set between episodes three and four it's probably gonna be closer to four um and so this is gonna be 
you know, something that's pretty similar to Han from A New Hope. Um, or, you know, even Empire, if it's something in between episodes four and five or something like that. Um, I mean, I kind of like the idea of something maybe like a couple years out from A New Hope, even like, you know, a year before A New Hope. Um, I mean, maybe Han and Boba Fett are fighting on Tatooine and you see the, the Star Destroyer chasing the Tantive Four overhead. And, you know, we could be seeing like what Han is up to right before he runs into Luke. Um, but uh, yeah, I wouldn't want it that close, especially if you have a different actor there. I think it'd be too jarring <laughs> to go from that to episode four. Yeah. Well, again, I mean, it depends on who they cast and, and how closely he can nail that characteristic. But um, either way, I mean, regardless of how close it is, like I said, it, it's going to be probably something where it's pretty close to that timeline. And like, that's the home they're going to be going after. So, um, yeah, I mean, but I, I do think at some point this is an eventuality, whether it's, uh, you know, just one anthology film that features Han and Boba Fett or whether they each get their own standalone movies. And we've heard so many rumors about this and they're both such huge fan favorite characters that I think, you know, the interest is there. And I think the people at Lucasfilm are aware of that, that I think we are definitely going to get a Han and or Boba Fett standalone movie at some point, but we will just have to wait and see because that's going to be at least three years away because, you know, we've got The Force Awakens and then Rogue One and then, um, you know, Episode 8. Um, so it, you know, could be the next anthology film after that, or we could get it, you know, 10 years from now, but it's going to happen at some point. Man, we got it so tough right now. We got to wait three years for this second anthology film when we only get Rogue One and we only get Episode 8 between then. Man, this is a tough time to be a Star Wars fan right now. Yeah, man. I mean, we got to just hang in there and, and tough it out. We'll be okay. Yeah. <laughs> No, the tough time to be a Star Wars fan is just going to be between now and December 18th. And, yeah, uh, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> you know, keeping ourselves from going completely insane. Um, and then something else uh, interesting to note, um, Gary Whitta, who was, I believe, the original writer for Rogue One, right? Mm-hmm. He wrote, yeah. like, the first draft of the script. Um, and he uh, just recently revealed uh, in a tweet that he is working on an episode of Star Wars Rebels. Um, he said, writing an in fact on Twitter, he said, writing an episode of Star Wars Rebels while my daughter sits in my office in Rebels pajamas watching Rebels. Hashtag Star Wars Rebels. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that's that's a lot of Star Wars Rebels in one tweet. But that is uh, that's pretty cool to have people work who work on yeah you know, the scripts for the films and stuff like writing uh, the scripts for this show. Um, I mean, we've had Simon Kinberg doing that already with. Uh, I mean, he wrote Spark of Rebellion, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then and uh, the finale. I think, yeah, and, and Fire Across the Galaxy, which was just so good. Um, and by the way, uh, the as of you know us recording this right now, the Star Wars Rebels Season 2 premiere airs in less than a week. So that is just one more of those, uh, you know, exciting milestone kind of things to check off. Um, because, you know, I, I'm still more excited for The Force Awakens, but, dude, this premiere is just, it will blow you away. Yeah, I can't um, wait to see it again. <laughs> yeah, in fact, I have a friend who likes Star Wars who's coming over tonight. He's seen, like, I know he's seen the premiere of Star Wars Rebels and maybe seen, like, a couple of the other first episodes or something, but he hasn't seen most of season one. So we're going to, like, binge watch season one tonight. I don't know if we'll get all the way through it, but if we don't, we'll probably, like, finish it next Saturday and then just watch the premiere when it comes on. Um, nice. Yeah, I have a feeling 
those who aren't going to get fully into Rebels, once they see that premiere, they're going to get hooked on it and then continue watching it for the rest of season two. Because I don't see how you could be somewhat of a Star Wars, even a casual Star Wars fan or hardcore, whatever. And then you, you see the season two premiere and then not get excited about what you've seen, wanted to see more. I mean, I don't know. I guess that's your problem. But <laughs> this stuff we're gonna, you're going to see in the season two premiere is just going to be so, so cool. Yeah. In fact, I'm looking on StarWars.com right now to, to see if they have um, any full Rebels episodes on here. Because I was going to say, for people who haven't seen season one yet, I strongly recommend watching season one between now and next weekend um and then uh you know check out that premiere when it comes on but if you can't uh you know get your hands on the episodes it doesn't look like they have the full episodes on on starwars.com here um but they do have an episode length like 22 minute recap of the whole season so i don't know maybe we'll like post a link to that on our twitter page or something for people who uh who haven't been able to see this yet um but uh yeah like even if you can't get a chance to watch all the episodes um, and go through this, uh, I, I still would recommend checking out the season two premiere, you know, like I said, watch that recap or just read up on what happened in season one. Um, if you can watch the last episode, uh, fire across the galaxy, cause that was awesome. But by comparison to season two, I don't think like, I honestly don't think you'll be missing a whole lot. If you just kind of like quickly bring yourself up to speed and then just watch the rebel season two premiere, because it's all about Darth Vader and you don't really need to know a whole lot about, you know, Kanan and Ezra and Hera and all these characters just to enjoy Darth Vader, just wrecking havoc and hearing James Earl Jones doing the voice again. It is just fan flipping tastic. Yeah. And Oh, by the way, you got to soak it in there too. So yeah, <laughs> it's going to be so awesome to see it again. I can't wait, but going back to the Gary Witta thing, him yeah, no, this episode. is the, this is a, a very tangent filled episode. If you couldn't tell already, yeah. <laughs> what are we on like tangent number five <laughs> but um yeah i mean of course when you heard this and i, I did and i'm sure a lot of people did is it going to be have any connection to rogue one and i personally think yes it will because if he's writing this now i think this is definitely an episode we're going to get for season three and by the time season three gets going that's going to be around the time the fall and winter of 2016 when that movie is going to come out so there's obviously a big opportunity for them to have Rebels and Rogue One tie in with each other since they're in the same time period. And like we said before, even at the Gareth Edwards panel at Celebration, they specifically mentioned Rebels as being part of this time period. I mean, they didn't say they're doing any crossover, but you got the feeling that the idea was there and there are going to be doing some. And now that we got Gary Witter writing an episode, I just think it makes too much sense for them not to. So that has me excited for for whether we're going to get a direct lead-in or tie-in to Rogue One, or just maybe we'll see some characters who will be in both the movie and the episode. I mean, it's exciting. So this could be our first really true crossover from a TV show into one of the movies. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, in fact, I think it would be really cool if maybe this episode was like our first official introduction to uh, Felicity Jones's character or maybe yeah. one of the other like main rebel soldiers from the movie and not necessarily be like a direct lead into the movie where you know they're they're doing things to sort of set up the plot of rogue one but maybe just introduce that character she joins the ghost crew for one mission and helps them out in their fight against the empire and then maybe at the end of it Hera offers to you know let her join the the, the ghost crew or ask you know are you going to keep helping us on this mission or are we going to see you again or something like that 
Um, and she's like, you know, thanks for the invite, but my squad needs me and we've got other stuff to take care of. And she goes off on her own. And next thing you know, we're watching Rogue One and she's doing her thing with, uh, you know, the rest of the rebels there. So, yeah. Um, how cool would it be just to have like a line in the movie, like mention a previous mission or something, not even specifically what it is, but she says, oh, like my last mission didn't go so well or something like that. And we know what she's talking about because it was from yeah. his rebels. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. And I, I mean... I don't know if there'll be a whole lot of tie-in in Rogue One because they've already written the script for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think uh, – I mean, I don't know. Maybe they plan this ahead of time. Like, I mean, with Gary Whitta writing it, he knows what's probably going to happen in that movie. And he, since he knows that, he can throw some in his Rebel script that will tie into it. We're not – they didn't necessarily have that plan while writing Rogue One, but he has that opportunity now to put it in Rebels. Right, but if they say something in Rogue One where they're like referencing a past mission or something like that, um, that then you know that's the Rebels episode that they're talking about. You would think like maybe they would have planned that out ahead of time. Maybe he knew like you know maybe or maybe they said after we have after we have you write this movie, we're going to have you um, you know write a Star Wars Rebels episode if you're interested, and you know we could reference some of this stuff that you're using in the movie. Um, but I mean, this is why Lucasfilm's got a story group, right? To like keep track of all this stuff. And I'm sure they're, they've planned lots of little connections and Easter eggs and stuff like that. So that'll definitely be cool to see. And I can't wait to, uh, see this episode as well as all of the upcoming Star Wars Rebels episodes. So, um, yeah, I just can't wait to see more good stuff there. Yeah. Unfortunately, this one will probably be a while till we see more on it. <laughs> Cause like I said, yeah. it's just in the writing stage for it. So it won't be till season three. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then, uh, let's see, speaking of Star Wars Rebels, also, there were kind of some rumors and stuff going on lately that there might be a release date for uh, Season 1 on DVD and Blu-ray. Um, it was listed on Amazon as uh, being released on September 1st, um, and the price was being listed at what, $41.39 for Blu-ray and $39.99 for the DVD, which seems like it was. It, it's probably going to be like, Forty nine ninety nine for the Blu-ray, thirty nine ninety nine for the DVD, and maybe they just had the Blu-ray on a discounted price or something. Either way, that link uh, that we've got posted on our website here is no longer working if you try to go to that link on Amazon. So, um, I don't know, maybe it got pulled just because they weren't ready to officially announce it yet. Maybe that date wasn't accurate. So, um, you know, kind of take that with a grain of salt. But I would definitely count on... Uh, that being released on DVD and Blu-ray before season two starts, which uh, do we even have an official release date for season two besides uh, the, the big premiere, which is going to be this Saturday, but that's just going to be kind of like a a one hour special. And then the rest of the season airs sometime this fall. And I don't remember if they announced a release date for that yet. No, they haven't. It is said it'll continue in the fall. Okay. Yeah. So I I would bet this DVD and Blu-ray is going to come out sometime before season, the rest of season two starts, you know, not by this Saturday, obviously. Um, that would be awesome though (laughs) it would be pretty awesome Uh, but also I think releasing at the beginning of September just makes perfect sense because that's when all the Force Awakens stuff is coming out too and it's like oh you're going to the store to get your Kylo Ren action figure might as well get your Rebels Blu-ray box set while you're at it as well so yeah might as well spend more money why not (laughs) yeah Um, so September 1st September 4th sometime around then Um, although let's see what September 4th Fourth, that's a Friday, right? Because they're marketing it as like Force Friday. Yeah. Um, and September first, which that would the then Tuesday. be a Tuesday, which is normally when all the the releases for um, you know home video and new music releases and all that kind of stuff uh, that all usually comes out on Tuesdays. So that would make perfect sense as well. 
um, for it to be releasing that same week, but just to be, you know, on the normal, like, DVD release schedule. So keep your eyes out sometime around then. Um, I'm sure it'll be coming out, like I said, you know, sometime right in that window, even though it's not official yet, and they've, uh, you know, shut down the Amazon leak. Um, yeah, hopefully we'll get it soon. But, yeah, no matter what day it's coming out, day one purchase, I'm sure. I can't wait to see these on Blu-ray. Yeah. Technically, like, the Clone Wars sets we got early on, it's going to be awesome. Hopefully there's some cool special features on there, and... Hopefully, um, they didn't do this on Clone Wars. I always wish they did commentaries on a few tracks, like audio commentaries for them. I just love that stuff. Maybe they'll yeah. do that for Rebels, but if not, I'm sure we'll get plenty of cool special features. Yeah, I guess for me, it kind of depends on how long they keep the uh, keep the season one episodes up on the Disney XD app. Um, yeah, because they're still all on there right now, so that's how I'm going to be watching mm. them tonight. But... Um, yeah, so I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure at some point I'll get those on uh, on Blu-ray as well. Whether it's the season one box set or whether I just wait for the complete uh, collector's edition box set when the show comes out, or you know, when the when the whole series is done. But um, you know, either way, for like I said, especially for people who haven't gotten to see season one yet, um, and for people who are into you know behind the scenes and special features and all that kind of stuff, I'm sure there'll be some cool stuff on there. Um, also, um, you know, Kevin Kiner, uh, just recently released a bunch of music from Star Wars Rebels on his website. Um, now this isn't, uh, you know, it's not like an album that you can purchase, um, but you can just go on his website, kevinkiner.com slash music. And, um, you know, he's got music from a bunch of his different projects there. Um, but the Star Wars Rebels one is right up there. Um, clearly noticeable by, uh, the cover picture of Darth Vader. Um, and, uh, you click on that and there's like, what, I don't know, 23 tracks or something like that. Yeah. It's um, 23. So you can just, you know, listen to some of the different music from the show. So that's really cool. I mean, he did that for Clone Wars as well before there was ever a, uh, like an official Clone Wars soundtrack album released. Um, and I, you know, I love going through and listening to some of that stuff on there. I haven't really gotten a chance to listen to some of this Rebels music yet, but it's just, uh, you know, it's cool that some of this is on there. Actually, I did go and listen to a couple of tracks cause I really liked the, uh, sort of the darker theme that they used for the Inquisitor's entrance. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah. you know, that's on there as well as, uh, you know, themes for Hera and Kanan and Zeb and, uh, you know, music from some of the different episodes and, uh, Yoda's you know, the music when Yoda's guiding Kanan and Ezra through the cave and all that kind of stuff. So a lot of variety in there, a lot of cool stuff. So go check that out if you're into the music of Star Wars Rebels. Yeah, it's going to make this one a little different from uh, the Clone Wars one. You'll hear a lot of familiar classic Star Wars themes, too, as we heard throughout the course of season one. A lot of familiar stuff in there mixed in with some of the newer stuff. So I just think it's cool that Kevin kind of does this where he ha- he's able to put these on his website for fans to listen to, even though, like, an album isn't officially out or anything like that. So for those who are fans of the Star Wars music, like I know you and me are and a lot of Star Wars fans, it's just cool to have that option on there to listen to if we wanted. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then also last Star Wars Rebels thing, uh, they or they released a video on the Star Wars YouTube page recently uh, called The Padawan Lives, The Return of, a, the Return of Ahsoka Tano. Um, and, you know, it's just this cool behind-the-scenes video talking to uh, mostly Dave Filoni and Ashley Eckstein just about sort of their thought process in bringing the character back. And um, Ashley Eckstein in particular is just talking about how overwhelmed she is by the fan response and how excited people were to see Ahsoka come back. Um, One notable thing in this video is that we do actually get a very quick shot of her igniting these two white lightsabers that she's got 
um, which is pretty cool. I mean, I think Dave Filoni talked about this at like at uh, Celebration or whatever that um, that was kind of symbolic of her still being a warrior, still being a Force user, but that she's kind of left the traditional uh, blue and green Jedi colors behind um, and is kind of just off on her own now. Um, so you know, like I said, there's just a real quick glimpse of that in here, but cool to see nonetheless. Uh, a little bit of stuff in there about Darth Vader as well and about their possible relationship and possible upcoming confrontations in the show. So, um, yeah, just more stuff to get us excited for that Star Wars Rebels premiere. Man, that is going to be just awesome. Yeah, I mean, that's the perfect job of just getting me more excited to see it again. I mean, for those who haven't seen the premiere at Celebration, I can't imagine how excited it is, how much they can't wait to see the premiere. Because, yeah, that video is really <laughs> Because cool. people like us keep hyping it up. Yeah. <laughs> and the, but when you see that stuff in the video about Dave Filoni and Ashley Eckstein talking about this cool, like you said, going back to the early Clone Wars days and how much hate Ahsoka got, how she kind of had to prove herself and now become such a fan favorite and seeing actually actually Dave Filoni remember that and where they're at now is just really cool and then I just when he started talking about Darth Vader I just love how Dave Filoni stressed that what would happen if they fight well yeah Darth Vader would easily like destroy her <laughs> once they fought so the little teases that we're getting for what's possibly going to be coming in Star Wars Rebels uh, with Ahsoka and Vader I mean I just can't wait till we get more of that and just <laughs> yeah I don't want to spoil too much of what it's going to happen in the season two premiere, but it's just going to be awesome. So yeah, and I don't think he says in that video that he, that Vader would easily destroy her. I think he just says that he wants to destroy her because she's like the sort of the last reminder of mm. his past and his connection to the Jedi and like everything that he used to be. And so he, you know, just sort of doesn't want to be reminded of that. Um, Maybe I just added easily in there because I think <laughs> Vader would take her out easily. But yeah, well, I don't, I don't know, man. I mean. I, I do think, obviously, if they have you know a big climactic showdown and somebody has to die, it's not going to be Vader. I mean, spoiler alert, he's yeah. in three more <laughs> movies after this. But I don't think he's going to easily defeat Ahsoka either because, um, I mean, of all the characters on the show, she's obviously going to be able to put up a better fight than Kanan or Ezra ever would because she had – uh, not only did she have more Jedi training under them, but she had Jedi training under, you know, the chosen one, Anakin Skywalker, obviously, or, or you know, arguably the, the most powerful Jedi warrior of all time. Um, and then, you know, ever since then, like when Order 66 came down and the Jedi got wiped out, uh, Kanan was off on his own and, uh, you know, hadn't finished his Jedi training and... Uh, sort of, you know, just tried to like stay under the radar and not really reveal himself as a Jedi. Whereas we don't really know what Ahsoka has been up to yet, uh, you know, for the past, what, 15 years or whatever since Revenge of the Sith. But it obviously seems like she's been, I mean, you can kind of tell just from her outfit and the, and the, the fact that she carries her lightsabers right there on her belt. Like she isn't trying to hide her Jedi identity quite as much as Kanan is. Um, and she's probably, you know, she, she was a little bit older and a little bit more experienced than he was, uh, when order 66 happened. And I'm sure she's probably been practicing her Jedi skills a little bit more since then. So I think she'll be a more formidable opponent for Vader. Yeah. And another thing too, Dave did, uh, dispel, I guess, some speculation I had as far as Vader once, uh, if, when him and Soka, you know, they're going to come cross paths with each other. And the fact that I thought that would be a reminder of what little, uh, good is left in Anakin, but Dave kind of, when you mentioned it too, how he said, no, she's the reminder of everything he hates right now of his past life. So the idea that I had that she may be a reminder of 
what was good in his life and have that little good that's left in Anakin affect whatever outcome is going to be. I guess that's out the window now because he's pretty much saying he's going to have nothing but hate. Yeah, and you know, it's interesting because I think I, I mean, obviously I heard what he said there and I, I agree with that, but I, I think that hate would sort of stem from the fact that maybe there is a little bit of good still inside him, but he's maybe trying to deny it or, uh, you know, maybe even like feels guilty or ashamed or something of, of some of the things that he's done. And so he just doesn't want to be reminded of that. Um, he's, I mean, I, I love the, uh, the Revenge of the Sith novel when it's talking about Vader at the end after he gets put in the suit and you know, is, is Palpatine's apprentice and everything and kind of just reflects back on everything that he's done. And I don't know, maybe they talk about this more in Lords of the Sith because I still haven't finished that book yet. But um, basically, he's like, crap, what have I done? Like when he, when he, uh, you know, shouts no and he's like using the force to crush everything in the room. In the book, it says he's trying to kill Palpatine because he realizes that he's been used and manipulated, but he's not strong enough to kill Palpatine because Palpatine's, you know, stronger in the force and kind of just redirects that anger and, and hatred towards everything else in the room. And then Vader's just kind of like, well, I got nothing left. Uh, you know, I, I killed all the Jedi. Um, you know, Obi-Wan hates me. I killed my wife so i guess i'm just gonna be stuck with this guy um yeah so i think ahsoka would kind of stir something a a little bit of that in him um but he would still be sort of like angry enough at this point that he's just like nope i don't want to be reminded of that i'm supposed to wipe out all the jedi and you're still here so i'm gonna wipe you out um and then it's just you know luke being his son that he didn't know he had um and you know that that family connection and that love is what's like just a little bit more and just enough to, to finally start to bring him back from the brink. Yeah. You were mentioning how, uh, that was in the Revenge of the Sith novel and if Lords of the Sith, Lords of the Sith went into that, but actually the latest Darth Vader issue and the end of star Wars number six, those go into the details that you were just talking about. Oh, well maybe I need to start reading so, the rest of those. Yeah. They're highly recommended because they were awesome. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I am a little bit behind on, uh, on some of those comics, but yeah. So not to spoil uh, anything, but it's some pretty awesome goosebump inducing moments <laughs> as far as regards to Vader and his past and all that stuff that happened in there. So yeah, they're, I want to say they're essential reading. I think they are, but not to build it too, up too too much, where you may disappoint, may dis- be disappointed with like not being something that's like earth shattering. But I think it's just some really really great stuff, and just a look inside Vader's psyche and all what he's feeling and going through from Revenge of the Sith up until the time frame of the comic. So yeah, I definitely would recommend reading those two issues. Okay. End of tangent number 13. Yeah, <laughs> um, man. I don't know why I can't focus today, but, uh, just first, so much good stuff. Yeah. We haven't recorded in almost a month and there's just so much good stuff that then gets you thinking about and talking about so much other cool star Wars stuff. Some other podcasts have, you know, strict schedules that they follow and they, they keep on track and keep on topic. And we have our, our general outline of points that we want to hit. But then, you know, if we get talking on other Star Wars topics, we just go with it and have fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and, and some of us have given us feedback and said that you like the three-hour episodes and that we just have no filters. So we're just going to keep doing what we're doing. Um Although I am going to try to wrap this up a little bit soon here because I've got uh, something special that I'm going to tack on the end of the episode here. Um, and that's going to you know put it up to almost three hours. So, um, But, I mean, let, while we're on the subject of comics, 
Um, just one thing that I wanted to mention a little bit, and this is, you know, maybe some minor spoilers here for, uh, for people who haven't read the latest issue of the main Star Wars comic yet. I haven't read it myself, but I, I mean, this was kind of hard to avoid on the internet for a few days. Um, that was that in the last issue, it is seemingly revealed that Han has a wife. Um, but it's just like on the very last page, it's, uh, is it Han and like Han, Luke and Leia, or is it just Han and Leia? I don't even remember. It's just it's just Han and Leia. Yeah, and then so they go back to the Millennium Falcon after doing whatever they were doing, and this woman steps out and uh, says that her name is what Sana or something like that. Yeah, Sana, or, Sana Solo, Sana Solo um, and that she's Han's wife, and it kind of just ends there on a cliffhanger, and you know doesn't really. It doesn't go into any more detail on it than that. But people are just freaking out about this. And they're like, oh, I hate that they went and changed Han's character. And that, uh, you know, does this mean that throughout the events of A New Hope, he was actually married? And that, you know, is he still married in Empire Strikes Back? And is he cheating on his wife with Leia? And blah, de, blah, de, blah. Um, and I'm like, guys, chill out. Like, there's a reason that they left it on the last page and then just kind of left you hanging because they want to leave you speculating about this and wondering. And then in the next issue, you're probably going to find out that she's like a con woman or that, I don't know, maybe she's another smuggler or bounty hunter or something that maybe she and Han went on a mission together and had to like pretend to be married to infiltrate someplace. And then she actually fell in love with him and thought they were actually married and Han doesn't feel the same way about her and is like, nah, it wasn't really official. We were just pretending. Whatever. I'm just sure. I am totally sure. Even though I haven't read the, I, like, I haven't even read the comic and I can still pretty much guarantee you there is more to the story than what they've just given you at face value here and people are just like jumping to conclusions and freaking out and I'm like, calm down and wait for the next issue and then freak out about it if it is confirmed in that issue like if they give you the full backstory and she actually is his wife then you can get up in arms about it but um i don't know calm down but this is probably exactly the reaction that they wanted they're like oh we'll get people all riled up and then in the next one it'll be like chill she's not actually his wife but totally. i don't know we'll see that's totally what they want yeah i mean i did read the comic and someone who's been reading comics for years pretty much what you said is exactly what i felt and i think it's going to happen by the end of the day it's going to be much to do about nothing really because like you said it's on the very last page it's the cliffhanger and then i just think in the next issue like you already said han or her one of them is going to mention something oh well actually this is what happened just one piece of dialogue is going to set everything back to normal i think it's going to be where they just wanted the cliffhanger but then it turns out like you said, maybe it was a secret mission or something that they had to get married, but they knew like it wasn't real or anything like that. And she got so mad at him for maybe he did something. And like you said, maybe she believed it. But it's going to be something where it's not going to affect the relationship of Han and Leia because, you know, the story group isn't going to do anything to damage what a lot of Star Wars fans consider to be probably something real important that in the Star Wars saga as far as Han and Leia and the relationship that they had in the original trilogy, I don't think they're going to do anything to mess with that. So, yeah, it's, this happens all the time in comics. They leave you with a possible cliffhanger that's going to happen, and then it turns out to be nothing in the next issue by some dialogue someone says. So, yeah, I totally agree. It could make for an interesting like short story that we're going to get in the next couple of issues, but what, like I said, when it's all said and done, I don't think it's going to affect what we see in the original trilogy, and it's going to be much to do about nothing because really 
when I read the issue, I knew that's what a lot of people were were saying. This Star Wars issue has a big reveal. And then when I got that, okay, that's what everyone thinks the big deal. But no, when you read Darth Vader <laughs> number six and part of Star Wars number six that ties into Vader, that's the bigger deal, what I was talking about before. When you read that, that's what you're going to take away from from those issues, not the reveal of Han Solo possibly having a wife because there's bigger stuff going on than just that. So, yeah, like you said, I think people probably maybe overreacted a little bit, but again, it's comics. I think it's going to be resolved fairly quickly when we get the next issue. Well, actually not the next issue because number seven is going to be an Obi-Wan like standalone spinoff story that we're going to get, which should be really cool. So, so they put that in there to just leave you hanging on the Han cliffhanger for, you know, a month longer. Yep. (laughs) It's all part of a grand design. So yeah, not till issue eight will this get resolved. And then I think people will feel a lot better about it once we finally find out what the real reason behind her saying that is. But yeah, I don't think fans should be worried about it. I know I'm not. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I just wanted to bring that up real quick for anybody who's still throwing a fit about that. I'm like, I'm sure, you know, like like we both said, there's going to be more to it than this. Um, so uh, before we end here, let's uh, talk about some video game stuff, um, which there's been some pretty cool news lately and will be a lot more coming up uh, here soon as E3 starts tomorrow uh, with the uh, the EA press conference where they're going to be releasing some new stuff about uh, Star Wars Battlefront, Star Wars The Old Republic, um, maybe even some other new Star Wars games that we haven't heard about yet. But um, And before we get to talking about that stuff, uh, they recently announced um, Star Wars Uprising, which is going to be a mobile game for smartphones and tablets and all that good stuff. Um and, I mean, this game sounds really interesting, especially for a mobile game, just sort of the whole concept of it. Um, it's actually going to be the first video game that's set after uh, Episode Six and kind of giving us our first look at that time period and uh, letting you play some different factions and stuff. Now, I think, Tim, did I, have I mentioned before my, my theory about the Anoet system and that, uh, that Jakku might be in that system and that's how you know, Luke's lightsaber gets from Bespin to there because they're in the same star system. Mm, I think I've brought that up before. And I got a little bit more confirmation on that. Um, I mean, it's still just sort of, you know, don't really have anything to go on or not a whole lot to go on with that. So I'm not like really sticking to it. But this Star Wars Uprising game will feature key events set in the Anoet system or the Anoet sector, um, inclusive of Hoth and Cloud City. And I'm sort of reading off the press release here. It says, "We'll, we'll allow players to create characters, go on missions, build their gear and skills and organize crews and factions to participate in wide ranging battles. Uh, Keeping up with the tradition of star Wars role-playing games, players will learn hundreds of new abilities and collect classic gear and equipment conducive to creating their own takes on iconic roles, smuggler, bounty hunter, rebel, gorilla, diplomat, gambler, or some, or something new entirely. Um, You can uh, pre-register for the game right now at playstarwarsuprising.com. Um, which doesn't really give you a whole lot of stuff right now, but you can uh, vote for, uh, you know, some some fan polls on, like, stuff that you want to see in the game. Um, and I'm guessing, you know, eventually if they end up doing beta testing or something like that, then, you know, obviously they're going to let the people know who've pre-registered. Um, but they released a really cool little cinematic trailer for it. Um, it's like a minute long, but it basically just shows, uh, you know, citizens and civilians on all these different planets watching... Uh, 
you know, hologram recording footage of the second Death Star being destroyed. Um, and meanwhile, you hear this Imperial governor's voice narrating the whole thing, saying, uh, you know, reports of Emperor Palpatine's death have been falsified, and the Empire is totally secure, and we're still in power, and don't believe any of these lies, and anyone spreading them will be punished, and blah, blah, blah. Um, but it's basically this really cool story concept where, uh, you know, in, in this whole sector, uh, you know, there's this Imperial governor or whatever, um, who's, you know, very loyal and devoted to Vader and the Emperor, and when he hears that they're dead and that the Death Star's been destroyed, he basically kind of goes into denial, like, almost doesn't want to believe that it's true, but at the same yeah. time, he just locks down the, the whole sector and, like I said, is, is trying to keep these rumors from spreading and act like the Empire is still in control and, uh, you know, just keep people in the dark and, uh, you know, impose, like, total Imperial martial law and basically live in his own little fantasy world where the Empire is still in total control. Um, he's got this uh, commander uh, of these uh, these new type of troopers called Purge Troopers with this cool, like, big, bulky black armor that's... The helmets are definitely reminiscent of Vader. It's got, like, that flared-out back part... Um, but I mean, just looking at some of like the, the trailers and the concept art and some of the story descriptions and stuff that they've released for this already, um, it's just really cool. The, the concept and, um, just all the, the sort of design and complex stuff that they're putting into this for a mobile game. Um, I mean, I've said before that I'd love to see more big Star Wars mobile games and not just the, um, you know, the, the little free to play uh, you know, Clash of Clans clones or whatever, but, um, and, you know, Star Wars Angry Birds and stuff like that, but some actual games with, like, some some cool characters and action and unique Star Wars stories, and it looks like that's exactly what we're going to be getting with this game, so I'm pretty excited for it. Yeah, I mean, I'm not that big on mobile gaming, but this is one that sounds really cool, and it looks really cool, too. Glad it's a RPG game, not an RTS or a strategy game, because I really don't like those, but <laughs> glad they're going to R the RPG route, because I love that genre of games. And yeah, I love the trailer for this one. It was just really cool. I mean, the fact that it's post-Return of the Jedi, and looks like it's not too long after the Death Star blew up, and just seeing the reactions of some of the people across the galaxy. I just love, like you said, there's someone showing a hologram of the Death Star being destroyed to like a hut and some other... Uh, factions of uh, people and then you hear the voiceover of the imperial general saying oh it's all fabrication like it's rumors and like the treason of the highest level saying the emperor is dead so just love how the video you were seeing was conflicting with the audio you were hearing for it and yeah like you said that new uh trooper that looks like darth vader this might as well just call him a darth trooper or something because <laughs> it's pretty like almost like a fusion of the two almost but yeah i'm excited for it now i mean like i said not a big mobile gamer but when it's on the scale of this it's an rpg it's a new era uh, as far as uh star wars gaming that we're not should probably be the start of but we're gonna see a lot more of it down the line but not yet this will be one of the first set post return of the jedi and free the force awakens so i mean it's another thing to help pass the time between its release and the force awakens i mean all, every little bit of content we're going to get is going to help pass that time. This is another thing. So, yeah, I'm excited for it, too. Yeah, and I don't know if they've, uh, you know, set a release date for this game yet, but they did say, uh, you know, with, with all that press release stuff for Force Friday and, uh, you know, all that Force Awakens stuff coming out on September 4th, that I, I believe um, in addition to, you know, toys and merchandise and stuff, they also men mentioned, uh, like, mobile games and apps as uh, one of the things that would be releasing on that day. So 
I would say it's probably a pretty safe bet um, that this game could be launching that day as well. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, it, it looks pretty darn cool. I'm definitely going to check it out. I mean, we haven't seen quite enough yet for me to be like, oh man, this game's going to be awesome because like we haven't seen any gameplay footage from it or anything like that. And I don't know if we'll see any of that at E3. Um, they don't usually show a whole lot of mobile gaming stuff there, but uh, you know, occasionally there is, um, you know, there are maybe a few bigger games that, uh, you know, get shown off at the show. Um, and I'm sure, you know, Star Wars is going to have a big presence there this year anyway. So it is a possibility, but if, you know, even if not, um, you know, at some point we'll probably see more trailers or some gameplay footage or something. And, you know, at that point I'll kind of have a, a better idea of what this is actually going to look like and how it's going to play. But I mean, for now, just like I said, seeing some of the, the concept art and the images and just hearing this whole, uh, backstory and, and concept and everything they, that they've put into it. I'm like, this sounds pretty big and really cool and pretty ambitious for a mobile game. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah. It was a nice surprise too. Cause I wasn't expecting like a mobile game to be, like you said, that big and set in that time period too. So yeah, yeah that's cool. Yeah, I mean, if it is any, at E3, it doesn't get lost in the shuffle with Battlefront stuff. So yeah. <laughs> that's why I wonder if it really will have a presence there. Yeah, I mean, anytime I hear, you know, new Star Wars mobile game, I always sort of approach it with trepidation because I'm like, okay, I'm excited, but is this going to be just like a lightsaber fruit ninja or, <laughs> you know, what, you know, how, how big are they really going to make this? And uh, for this one, I was definitely pleasantly surprised. Um, okay, so, you know, moving on to, to some other video game stuff, we briefly mentioned this earlier, but, uh, they did announce that, uh, Star Wars content would be included in the new Disney Infinity 3.0 game, um, and initially they announced three different chapters, I guess, I'm not, I haven't played the first two games, so I'm not exactly sure how this all works, but, um, there'll be one section called Twilight of the Republic, where you'll basically be playing through stories from uh, the prequels. Actually, I, no, I guess they're they're just two. Yeah, they're two main chapters. Um, the Twilight of the Republic, where you played through like the prequels and Clone Wars era stuff, um, and then um, what's the other one? I think they've got it wrong on the. Or actually, no. Okay, so this yeah, it's Twilight of the Republic on here, but then there's another one. Um, that's not in this particular press release that I'm looking at, but another one about the rise of the empire. Uh, and maybe that's what it's called. I don't remember, but, um, you know, basically you've got a prequel one and a, uh, original trilogy one where you get to play as Han and Luke and Leia and fly the money and Falcon and whatnot. Um, but then they also, uh, announced separately, like just, I think probably this past week or so, um, that there will also be Star Wars Rebels content in it. And I don't know if it's going to be a whole story pack or if it's just the characters or whatever, because, you know, with this Disney Infinity game, it's one of those games where you, like, buy the action figures and then somehow plug it into some little controller thing and it gives you that character in the game. Um, I don't know. I've never really gotten into it. but um, And I probably won't get into this game just because I'm, like, I'm going to be spending enough money on Star Wars stuff this year anyways. I don't need to be spending 60 bucks for a video game that's then going to cost me, uh, you know, $10 a piece more for all these different characters that I want to get the action figures of. So, um, but I mean, for, for people who are into these kind of games, um, and, and like Star Wars, I mean, it definitely looks cool. Um, and I think they've done mobile versions of the first two as well. So if they do like a free iPhone app that ties into this somehow, I'll probably definitely check that out. But um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like I said, for, for people who are fans of the first two games and who like Star Wars, it definitely looks like uh, some exciting stuff coming your way. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. It looks really cool, but I think I said this on the last episode too. Like, 
you just mentioned it to the fact that you have to buy extra stuff to play <laughs> to get the full experience of the game is something I'm probably not going to be getting into. But I know on our Facebook page and uh, a lot of people have been seeing it as far as when we made the post of the screenshots from the Rebels. It's a lot of people who I know who play Disney Infinity are really liking the designs and how this the character is and just the levels and the gameplay looks for this. So I think it's going to be a big hit for those who are already playing Disney Infinity. They're getting pretty excited for the Star Wars content. I mean, why wouldn't you when you got the Disney stuff, the Marvel stuff, but now Star Wars in there too? Yeah. So exciting for those who are already playing the game, but like you said, probably not something I'm going to get into. Yeah. Um, especially when we've got, uh, you know, let's talk about some of these, the, the stuff coming up at E3 here. Um, you know, Star Wars Battlefront, obviously, uh, is the the huge thing that we're both really excited about, and they <laughs> yeah, recently a small little game coming out later. Yeah, yeah, you know, tiny little indie game. I don't know if you guys have heard of it, but uh, we're big fans. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, they released recently revealed on Amazon the cover art for the deluxe edition, um, which is you know costs you seventy dollars instead of sixty, and it comes with some free in game items. Um, you know, Hans DL forty four blaster pistol. Uh, you also get, you know, an ion grenade, an ion torpedo, uh, and then a couple of character emotes, the ion shock and a celebr victory emote. Now I'm not exactly sure how emotes are going to work in a battlefront game. I'm like, I played the old Republic and you've got character emotes that you can get in there, which, you know, that's a, an MMO online game where you can, you know, you're interacting with other people's characters and stuff and you can start dancing or, I've got, like, on my main Jedi Knight character, I've got one there. He does, like, the Karate Kid kick, uh, you know, the crane <laughs> thing. Um, there's all kinds of crazy ones, but I'm like, I can't imagine Stormtroopers doing that in uh, Battlefront. That That's going to be a little weird. But at the same time, it's been a while since I've played any of the latest installments of Battlefield or Call of Duty or anything like that. I think the last Call of Duty I have is, like, Modern Warfare 2. And they're up to like Modern Warfare 16 Space Assault or something like that now. Um, Black so, combat or Modern Warfare and all that stuff. Yeah, like <laughs> Call of Duty, really, really, really Black Ops. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think no, I think they're up to Advanced Warfare now. It's not Modern Warfare. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, I guess it's using these emote things is going to be like use them at your own risk where you get a kill, but then you do it, but then you may get shot. <laughs> I guess <laughs> like, uh, yeah, that could be kind of fun to do. But at the same time, if I shoot somebody, I'm not going to take the time to do a victory dance. I'm going to go look to shoot somebody else before they shoot me. That'd be cool um, if you get extra points or something where like kill someone while they're doing their emote victory. <laughs> oh, I hope so. Like I'll just make a whole career out of, you know, hunting, dancing stormtroopers. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be your title. <laughs> Um, I will say though, um, for deluxe edition and, um, little disappointed with with all you're getting is just some like, uh, in-game like expansion stuff, like some weapons and some like upgrades to your weapons packs and all that stuff. Kind of wish there was a little more in there, maybe kind of usually deluxe editions, they have some exclusive content, whether it's, you know, like an art book or a figure or something like that, or even Mm -hmm. in-game content, like, uh, bonus levels that you'd only get with a deluxe edition for a limited time before it comes available elsewhere or like character skins something like that but seems like it's just basic like weapon stuff so i'm probably gonna get the deluxe edition because the box art looks awesome and i want pretty much the most you can get in battlefront that's available but just kind of wish it was a little more than just like weapon upgrades and stuff like that yeah and for all we know this could be in some sort of like special like metal tin or something like that um also they haven't 
officially announced the deluxe edition as far as I know. So maybe there will still be more content in it that they haven't announced yet or that Amazon didn't find out about yet or something. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I would think that might be one of the things we'll find out more about uh, during the press conference at E3 tomorrow. Um, but either way, we will definitely be seeing our first uh, gameplay footage. Um, I mean, aside from the the behind this or behind closed doors stuff that I got to see at uh, Celebration, um, which that stuff was cool. But I'm still I'm excited to see even more and see uh, you know the first stuff that they're revealing to the public. Um, and I'm sure they'll. Well, I don't know if there'll be like another you know a gameplay trailer or a cinematic trailer or something, or if it'll just be gameplay videos. But then they'll also have. Uh, live gameplay demos on the show floor, which, uh, man, I'm so jealous of people that get to go and play that. Um, but at the same time, I'm like, that's even better because then for the next couple weeks, I can spend, you know, a, a whole bunch of time watching videos on, you know, IGN and GameSpot and game trailers and all these different websites that are going to have, you know, their own commentary videos of like the gameplay demo and different developers or different interviews with the developers and stuff. And you get to kind of scour that and try to find any new little tidbits of information there. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, there should be some awesome stuff there. Also for people like me who play Star Wars, the old Republic, uh, they're announcing a big new expansion tomorrow, um, called, uh, Knights of the Fallen Empire. Um, and I'm, I believe they're going to have a new cinematic trailer because, uh, I mean, Bioware has been releasing like some teaser screenshots and, uh, you know, the images are definitely not the in-game graphics, um, which is like super exciting for me. I mean, I thought that this might be like a new single player game or that it might be even KOTOR 3 or something like that because, um, I mean, just the amount of hype surrounding this thing, I was like, I don't think they usually promote just like new expansion packs this big at uh, at E3 um, and show off new trailers for it and stuff. Um, but then I found out, you know, it is just going to be a new expansion, but it's going to be a big new expansion. It's going to be uh, really focused on, um, you know, character and story and stuff like that. So uh, for, for people like me who are into that game and for anyone who's curious about it and maybe wanting to try it out, I think this will be uh, something that's going to be a big boost for it and add a lot of really cool new content. So I'm excited for that as well. And even if, you know, people aren't excited for the game. Like, how can you not get excited for those cinematic trailers? Those are just amazing. Yeah, at the very least. <laughs> it's going to be very entertaining for those that don't play the game. I'm also hoping, too, at E3, I'm expecting lots of cool Battlefront stuff, hopefully more than just Endor this time. I'm assuming we'll get, like, Hoth and maybe Solace, and Jakku would be awesome to see. But I'm kind of hoping not necessarily get gameplay footage or anything, but the first trailer for uh, the new game that's being developed at EA, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's... See, I'm blanking on the developer's name yeah, right now. Yeah, it's uh, Visceral. Visceral, that's And there have okay. been, you know, again, rumors that that might be a Han Solo game or something, but we really haven't heard much about that game lately. And I'm I'm hoping that in the midst of all the Battlefront and Old Republic hype that they're like, hey, guys, by the way, really cool new game over here that you didn't even know was coming, but here it is. Yeah. Um, like, and just to get... see, you know, a teaser trailer or a cinematic yeah. trailer or something like that for that game just to kind of get us excited for it. Yeah, something like we got for the first Battlefront teaser with yeah. Battle of Hops. We just get some cool little cinematic and the title of the game kind of figure what it's about. That'd be really cool to get to. So should be exciting week coming up as far as Star Wars and video games. Yeah, well, not just an exciting week, an exciting tomorrow. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> man, I guess I didn't even think about the fact that, you know, in 20, in less than 24 hours, we'll have seen this stuff already. Yep. <laughs> um, and, you know, some of you guys are probably thinking like, well, why didn't you just wait till tomorrow to record? Because we've got all this stuff that we had to talk about in this episode that we hadn't talked about for a while. So I was like, let's get this all out of the way first. Um, and then we'll probably have a new episode maybe next weekend after all of E3 and after uh, the Rebel Season 2 premiere. So that'll be everything in our next episode. Yeah, because we'll um, have plenty to geek out on just on the video game front, that's for sure. At least yeah. that's the hope. I mean, we're getting pretty hyped up for E3. Hopefully it doesn't disappoint. <laughs> it's not that much content, <laughs> that, just, but... that just made me think of the end of Fanboys when they're finally sitting there in the theater about to watch The Phantom Menace and just the last <laughs> line of the movie is, hey guys, what if it sucks? <laughs> oh, that confused look that it just fades. <laughs> what if yeah, there is no the Battlefront at E3, even though they already said it? But <laughs> No, I would riot. Yeah, <laughs> you'll go all the way down to LA. Yeah, it, it would be a situation like I'd walk into the DICE offices and they'd have a, a C-3PO in there and they, you know, he, he'd be like, uh, you know, they, they ask why they must show you Battlefront footage because he's holding a thermal detonator. <laughs> And that'll for sure scare him to show you some new stuff. <laughs> yep. Um, so anyway, yeah, that's uh, pretty much all the big stuff we have to talk about. Now, of course, before we wrap up the end of the episode here, um, you know, as big Star Wars fans, you know, we just have to mention uh, the passing of Christopher Lee uh, this past week. He uh, died at age 93. Um, and, you know, there's been a lot of uh, tributes to him and stuff online. And um, I mean, man, he was just a, a great actor. Um, I mean, I know for me, I knew him as as Count Dooku from Star Wars, obviously, and also as Saruman from Lord of the Rings. And he was just, uh, you know, just had such a fantastic, like, presence and voice and, uh, you know, made made such a great um, sort of imposing, you know, character and villain. And, uh, you know, we'll definitely miss him. But at the same time, I think it's just great that, uh, you know, to see someone who lived to, to be 93 and enjoyed such a long life and a, a long and successful career um, is, you know, something to celebrate as well, I think, with, um, as many stories you hear nowadays about, uh, you know, people like Robin Williams and Paul Walker and all these different tragic deaths of celebrities who, uh, you know, go before their time. I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm sad that Christopher Lee's gone, but at the same time, uh, you know, I, I think he would probably tell you 93 years was, uh, was pretty good. So. And he's leaving behind a great legacy too. I mean, yeah. for fans who are like fans of different stuff like Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, and like horror film fans with Dracula and James Bond fans. I mean, he left his mark on all of those, really. So, I mean, even though he's passed on, his he's going to be living uh, through his films for a long, long time because there's some iconic roles. So, yeah, and he was great in all of them. And I just, even with Dooku, I mean, you could tell he really took to the character because just for the fact that he came back to voice him for uh, the Clone Wars movie, that's something I think it gets forgotten a little bit because we're so used to to uh, Corey Burton's great performance as Dooku, but mm. Christopher Lee actually did the movie, which was a few years after, of course, doing Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. So I think it's cool that he still wanted to stick around and be a part of that character as much as he could anyway. But um, yeah, I mean, we also got uh, some comments from George Lucas and Kathleen Kennedy about his passing that I'll read real quick where George Lucas just says, Christopher was a great British actor of the old school True link to cinema's past and a real gentleman will miss him. And then Catholic Kennedy uh, says that Christopher brought a grace and gravitas to the many roles he's played over a rich and expansive career. His performance as Count Dooku in episodes two and three remains the highlight of the Star Wars saga. And we have been so privileged and honored to count him among our family. Christopher was a gentle soul and deeply adored by fans. And we will miss him dearly. Yeah, so 
that's the comments we got from Lucas and Kathleen Kennedy. I mean, I'm sure everyone echoes what they say about there. And man, just see this lived an exciting life, really. I mean, about his time in the military and then just uh, his long career as an actor. Just, yeah, just a, like you said, he was 93. He just lived a fulfilled life. And I think he probably, at least I like to think he accomplished everything he was uh, hoping to do in his acting career. So, yeah, it's sad that he's passed on now but like i said his legacy is going to live on through all the great performances that he's done mainly as villains though but <laughs> yeah regardless there's still iconic performance that i'm sure was going to entertain fans from years to come yeah well i mean when you're six four and have a deep british voice you just make a perfect villain so. yeah <laughs> um yeah but uh i mean you know may he rest in peace but uh, certainly a great addition to like you said all, all those franchises that uh that he was in and he'll certainly leave behind a great legacy. Definitely. Um, and now as we wrap up here, like I said, um, I had something I was just going to add at the end of the episode here. Uh, recently, like I said, I was at Phoenix comic con a couple weekends ago, end of May now. I mean, it's already like one of those things where it's like, wow, it's been that long already. Um, but I, uh, was part of a clone wars discussion panel there, uh, with our friends, uh, Jason hunt and Joey Letson. Um, we actually hosted a couple panels. We hosted a Star Wars trivia contest, which was a lot of fun. Um, a little disappointing at some of the questions that people didn't know. But Uh-oh. then again, maybe, <laughs> we, we kind of just realized that, uh, you know, maybe we're even bigger nerds than we thought. Um, but, you know, had a lot of fun there. Um, and then also uh, we, like I said, we did a, a Clone Wars discussion panel, which was uh, just really cool to be able to just sort of, you know, sit there and reflect on uh, on some of our favorite moments from the show. Um, and also, I mean, it was kind of a, a little bit of a smaller audience, um, like our trivia contest was on Saturday night and that was like packed. Um, I mean, we did it sort of tournament bracket style. So we had 32 slots for contestants. Those all filled up. Um, and the, the whole room was almost full of people just being there to sort of watch and participate. Um, then the Clone Wars panel was Sunday morning. And so it was a little less crowded. Um, you know, it definitely wasn't a full room, but you could tell that the people who were there were really engaged and, you know, some people would just raise their hands and, you know, add their two cents on a certain character or episode or whatever. Um, and then I think kind of a highlight for me was this little girl who came in, in like a full on Ahsoka costume. Like she didn't have the orange, uh, you know, skin paint, but she did have like the white markings face painted on her and had like the whole headdress done up and everything. Um, and she couldn't have been more than like six or seven years old and was just adorable. Um, we gave her a free poster at the end because Joey had grabbed some extra uh, Dark Disciple posters from uh, Celebration. Um, we gave her one and then gave the rest away to the audience through trivia questions. But that was really cool. Um, so anyway, uh, Jason recorded the audio of that for us. And so I will uh, tack that on at the end of the episode here um, if any of you want to stick around and listen to that. Um, and also, I believe Joey's brother uh, filmed the whole panel for us. And so uh, I think he's got the video of that up on YouTube. Um, so I can also probably uh, you know try to get the link from him and maybe send that out on our Facebook and Twitter page or something like that. Um, so yeah, for, for the Clone Wars fans out there, I'll, uh, leave those out there for you guys to check out. Uh, hopefully you enjoy it. Hopefully you've enjoyed this episode of us talking all things Star Wars. It's been a fun one. Uh, hope you, hope you, uh, enjoyed all our different little tangents and stuff that we went on, but, uh, <laughs> we certainly had fun talking about it. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so as always, you can, uh, check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash Star Wars. The saga continues. You can follow us on Twitter at Star Wars TSC. Uh, you can check out our website at starwarstsc.com. 
com. Yeah, that's what it is. I sometimes have trouble keeping all these straight. StarWarsTSC.com. And then our uh, you can send us email at StarWarsTSC at gmail.com. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's those are the different ways you can get in touch with us. We always love... Uh, hearing from you guys and, uh, you know, just getting your thoughts on different things and engaging in uh, discussions with people on on Twitter and, uh, you know, having fanboy debates over whether Kylo Ren or Captain Phasma is the more awesome-looking new villain and all that kind of fun stuff. So uh, look forward to hearing from you guys. Again, thank you for tuning in. We will see you next time, and may the Force be with you. See you next time, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. Morning, Phoenix Comic Con. Hello, hello. Thank you for being here at the first panel of the day. Yes. I, you know, I almost didn't make it. Yay! <laughs> We're awake. We got, got any Clone Wars fans in the building? Clone Wars. Yeah! Has anybody here not seen the Clone Wars and is checking this out? Awesome. Very nice. I'm, I'm sure we've got more Clone Wars fans somewhere at the convention, but, you know, it's 10.30 in the morning. Right. They haven't finished their cup of Jawa juice yet. Yes. <laughs> Just be forewarned, um, if you haven't seen the show, there will be lots of spoilers in this panel. We won't give away a lot of the, the big endings of things, but there will be a lot of stuff talked about. Yes. Then again, it's an hour-long panel, and we've got five and a half seasons to cover, so we definitely won't spoil everything. Yes. And there's still lots of awesome stuff to check out, so definitely check out the show. All right. Well, let's go ahead and begin. All right, well, episode four, 1977, we heard the words, you fought in the Clone Wars? And what the heck is that? Yes. What does that mean, fighting, fighting in the Clone Wars? And well, for many, many, many years, we had absolutely no idea. Um, however, that's what we're going to be talking about today. There was an awesome se- series starting in 2008, I believe. Yes. Uh, this was, of course, after the micro series, which many we, you know, many of us saw and loved. And uh, then we had the Clone Wars, starting with the Clone Wars movie. And, uh, Which was originally supposed to be the first episodes of the TV series, but Warner Brothers was like, this would make a great movie! <laughs> sort of. <laughs> sort of. <laughs> let me, before we go any further, let me introduce our panel. Uh, first of all, uh, my name's Joey Letson. Uh, I'm just a fan, like you guys. Uh, if you want to talk to me about Star Wars stuff, uh, you can look me up on Facebook or on Twitter. I'm at Joey in Tucson. And we have over here Kyle Avery and Jason Hunt. Uh, guys, why don't you tell us about your podcasts? Uh, so yeah, like I said, uh, my name is Kyle Avery. I do a podcast called Star Wars: The Saga Continues. Uh, we mostly talk about um, Episode Seven, The Force Awakens, and we also talk a little bit about uh, Star Wars Rebels and uh, the Star Wars anthology films coming up. Basically, uh, we started. I actually had the idea to start the podcast like the day that Disney bought Lucasfilm, and we found out that there was going to be all this new Star Wars stuff. So we kind of just cover. Um, you know, all the, the news and rumors and all that kind of stuff about all the, the new and exciting projects coming up. But uh, it's kind of a, you know, a, a smaller, a um, little bit more of a, a fan type of, I don't know, you know, us geeking out about Star Wars as we're talking about this news and stuff. We're not like a big professional, you know, oh, here we interview so-and-so and let's get the official scoop from our sources. It's like, no, we make fun of the people who have bogus sources and just speculate on all the crazy rumors and stuff. So we have a lot of fun on there. <laughs> 
Um, and I'm Jason Hunt. I'm one of the co-hosts of the Wampas Lair podcast, which is a discussion-based podcast where we will talk about just about anything pertaining to Star Wars. Um, our latest episode is actually just all about Qui-Gon Jinn, so that was kind of cool. Um, and we both have uh, business cards with our information on it. If you want to come up afterwards, we'd be more than happy to promote ourselves. <laughs> yeah, and they're, they're really awesome podcasts, again, for, for all of your Star Wars needs. So, uh, let's go ahead and begin the, the Clone Wars. Well, let's go ahead and t- first talk about the clones themselves. It's all about them and the war anyway, right? Oh, so, yeah. and, and we're going to be talking mostly about uh, sort of the way that the Clone Wars series has oh, yes. enhanced and, and maybe changed our perspectives on the Star Wars universe, you know, fleshed it out, added to uh, different areas that we didn't know much about, um, answered some un- unanswered questions from the films, things like that. So. Um, each of these bullet points are going to kind of be some big areas of the show that really uh, we feel enhance the overall Star Wars experience. And since it's you know over 120 episodes, uh, we will be hitting broad points. So there are plenty of details that you guys would be more than happy to explore. Like we said, the complete series is on Netflix, so check it out. Yes. Well, speaking of how it enhancing the saga, really in episodes two and three, we see the clones. We see them fighting a bit, but we don't really see much other of their individuality. Um, for the most part, they're kind of seen as, I dare, dare I say, kind of drones in a lot of way. Uh, they don't, they really look similar when they take off their helmets. There's well, not much different. And then, of course, Order 66 goes around and they all go burr, and then they kill the Jedi. We don't really get to know their personalities or, you know, see any, you know, really fall in love with these guys that much. They looked cool, but that was about it. Um, however, the Clone Wars series, I think we really got to know some of these clones much better. Fives, Echo, Captain Rex. These are just some of the names that we have grown to love in the Clone Wars. So let's go ahead and watch a quick clip from the clones. That's about as loud as you can get, I think, on there. But you can try, please. <laughs> so, gentlemen, tell yes. us your thoughts on the clones. Start. Yeah, I mean, like you said, Joey, I think the show really did a great job as far as fleshing out the the personality of these clones as individuals. Um, you know, in the movie, uh, yeah, they were they were all clones. They're replicated. They're genetic. They're very just kind of cookie cutter. Uh, you know, really good soldiers, but we don't really know much about these guys as people, and for all we know, they could be, you know, mindless drones that are just really good at shooting a blaster, but then, as we see in the Clone Wars, 
Um, you know, I mean, right from the get-go with the Clone Wars movie, they kind of went really far as far as giving these guys different haircuts and tattoos, and then we started seeing different variations of, you know, decorations and decals on their armor, and, you know, to the point where by the end of the show, I'm sure for those of you in here who are big Clone Wars fans like we are, like, you probably got all your, your individual favorite clones like, uh, you know, Rex or Fives or Echo or any of those guys that you can recognize just by looking at their helmet, and, you know, they, they really diversify those guys. Um, I also think, you know, Dee Bradley Baker, of course, Absolutely. Voice of the Clones, did a, a fantastic job. I think he was doing a good job from the start, but he obviously got better and better at it as the series went on, um, to the point where you can watch uh, a scene in an episode with five or six different guys who look exactly identical, and yet, yet you can tell which one is which just based on their voice and their personality. And the Umbara arc, for example, is nothing but, and uh, the Bad Batch arc, which we'll talk about later, is, I mean, those are two arcs that just have the clones as the main players, and one voice actor playing 90% of the characters on screen, and you can tell the difference between each one of clones, which is awesome. Right, yeah, no, Dee Bradley Baker deserves all the credit he can get for those. Um, my favorite clone in particular, though, is Captain Rex. Uh, he's uh, definitely the clone that we get the most exposure to because he's attached to Anakin and Ahsoka. Uh, he's part of Anakin's, you know, clone, the 501st, and so uh, we get a lot of exploration into him, and uh, I won't go into too many details, but apparently his story isn't over because we did see him in the preview for season two of Rebels. So, yes. Well, another thing when it comes to questions about the Clone Wars itself and about the Star Wars saga the whole thing about Order 66. How the heck were the clones that worked with the Jedi for so freaking long just able to turn on them like that and kill them all just because stupid old Palpatine said, execute Order 66. Yeah. And you know what I what I think was really great about this, I know some people had an issue with that, thought it was a big plot hole. I was always kind of one of those people that could kind of just take the, the explanation from the movie, which is that the clones are engineered to be more uh, you know, more docile, more um, obedient. Call, obedient, more susceptible to orders, and they're ultimately loyal to the Republic and to the Chancellor. And so when the Chancellor says the Jedi are traitors and you know, execute them, they're gonna say, okay, well, sucks for them, we like these guys, we've been fighting with them for three years, but the, the Chancellor says, so, you know, we gotta follow him. But I think the, the thing that the Clone Wars, for me, really enhanced about it was it made it so much more tragic um, when you realize that it wasn't the clones just following orders because of, you know, that's how they were wired necessarily. They, they didn't, um, you know, decide to uh, follow Palpatine's order necessarily, but it was some kind of like chip implanted in their brain that just kind of, it was like flipping a switch. Um, and and so you, you kind of see throughout the progression of the series that the clones really did develop close relationships with the Jedi to the point where some of them probably wouldn't have wanted to, uh, you know, kill their Jedi generals even if Palpatine had ordered them to, but then Palpatine gives the order and something just switches on in their brain where they can't control it. They're just like, oh, we got an order, good soldiers follow orders, it's just programmed in my brain now, kill the Jedi. And you can't help but wonder, you know, we, we see all the clones in the movie when they kill the, the Jedi, they've all got their helmets on, and I'm like, I almost want to like see their faces under those helmets and think, like, are, are they struggling with, like, man, I don't want to do this, but I can't control it, what the heck is happening, you know? Well, with that, I think let's show a quick clip to show what happens with one particular clone when his programming malfunctions a little early.
Let me try that again because that was loud. <laughs> <laughs> This was one of the clips that was shown when we got the announcement we were getting uh, season six exclusively to Netflix, and my expression was, holy crap! <laughs> what, uh, I mean, really, by season six, looking at the action that they were able to put into just one frame, that, I mean, that scene gives me chills every time I see it. Um, yeah, so, I mean, we really did get many of those answers that we were looking for when it comes to Order 66. Who was Master Sifodius? Sifodius, uh, sorry, all right. Uh, I mean, all the, a lot of those things were answered and really explored in depth, this whole kind of chip, kind of Manchurian candidate kind of conspiracy going Yeah, on. and this is like the opening sequence for a four-part story arc, so mm -hmm. it gets a lot deeper and a lot crazier than that, so I won't spoil it, but you should really check this out. Yes. Well, let's move on to another topic right here of the Force. Um, one thing that the Clone Wars, I think, really did really awesomely is to get in-depth uh, discussions about what the Force is. Um, I know for some people, some of their criticisms of the prequel trilogy was, oh, they took, the, they took all the mysticism out of the Force and the things like that. And let me tell you, if you're looking for mysticism in the Force, look no further than the Clone Wars to really get into the, the, the force and its, its power, I should say. Um, in fact, in, we have a clip right here I'm gonna show from the Mortis trilogy, where if you want to see, if you wanna get your mind-bending force trip on, check out the Mortis trilogy. It is fantastic. So let yeah. me just show a quick clip from that and we'll discuss some of the force.
And that's just a clip of how trippy in the Force that that, that trilogy gets. Yes. Yeah. Of course, we have on that planet, and we get into that trilogy. Of course, the father, the son, and the daughter, and the whole concept of what the whole concept of balance of the Force might mean, at least to some uh, in the universe, anyway. Right. And you know, it's crazy because I still sort of in my own head, I guess, don't really know how to fit the Mortis trilogy in with you know, the rest of everything we see in the Clone Wars, just because it's, it's one of those trippy, out there kind of things that you know, seems like it might be like a dream sequence or something that didn't really happen. They have said like the, the events on Mortis did actually happen, but I'm like, you know, it, it still could have just been like a vision presented by the Force. I mean, if the, if the events on Mortis really did happen, I think you can kind of take that the same way as like the events on Dagobah with Luke in the cave when he fights Darth Vader and sees his own face inside the mask. That happened, but obviously that wasn't Darth Vader. So I kind of think about the Mortis trilogy a little bit the same way, but it's, it's kind of one of those things where I like that we've got something like this where it's just more out there, it raises a lot of questions, and there aren't really concrete answers to it, but it's just something really cool to to see and to think about, and it just sort of adds to this mystery of the Force. Let me let me throw up one thing. You're talking about the visions and things like that. That trilogy is the first one where we actually see uh, our first appearance of Qui-Gon Jinn with Liam Neeson back as, as playing Qui-Gon Jinn. And there was a lot of discussion about Obi-Wan seeing Qui-Gon. Is that really Qui-Gon Jinn and, or not? And things like that. And uh, I think we might have gotten a clue that, at least from Rebels, in my, in my mind, that it, it is definitely Qui-Gon in that uh, he says, you know, Master Qui-Gon, why are you here? And he says, I am here because you are here. That is basically the same thing that Yoda says to Kanan in uh, the first season of Rebels when uh, Yoda appears to Kanan in his voice. So it's just like those little echoes that we're still seeing within those two series. Kind of cool. Get some yes. questions? Yeah, there's just kind of a comment of the, about this trilogy that last episode where Anakin sees the visions, in my opinion, was one of the most brilliant cinematic moments of the Clone Wars. Like, you're finally, like, I think you can see, like, a lot of connections to the later episodes, the clips that they used from that portion. I don't want to give away any spoilers, but to me it was just done so masterfully, and just the last image that is shown when Anakin sees <laughs> that is just... Like it, 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 like my heart was pounding during that scene. That was definitely one of my favorite scenes of that trilogy and of, you know, probably the Clone If you think Anakin's turn to the dark side in episode three is abrupt, you should watch the Mortis trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. I will say, as much as I love that trilogy, the third episode, I have some problems with the story as far as Anakin's character going. Like up and down. Well, I mean, the, in one scene you have him seeing that vision of all the bad stuff he's going to do, and he says to the son, like, help me avoid that. And in the next scene, he's doing the exact same stuff. So, I don't know. He gets tricked by the dark side. It happens. But overall, still, I mean, uh, a fantastic episode. And yeah, when he's having those visions of his future and, and a certain black cybernetic mask and all that kind of stuff, I mean, it's just so good. Oh, one more question. One more comment we'll right on. there. Yes. Uh, personally, this is my favorite arc of all of season three, because I just love it so much. But um, I did notice something now that you kind of mentioned it. It kind of foreshadows what's going to happen to the galaxy in episodes three, four, five, and six. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, it does. It, it, it's if you're looking for this this sort of like premonition and you know sort of prophetic type of aspect to it, the Mortis arc gives you a lot of little hints as to what is going to come with the, the future of the galaxy, especially in the, 
where we end up in the original trilogy. So, yeah. um, in fact, I think Dave Filoni's even said that uh, not even you know in the the larger saga as a whole, but just within the Clone Wars, like he wanted the the Mortis trilogy to have ties to like the future and be foreshadowing things, and that's part of the reason why they brought Sam Witwer in to voice Darth Maul after he had voiced the son on Mortis was because you know he thought there'd be a little bit of a foreshadowing connection there. Let's talk just a bit more again again about the Force. Again, season six of the Clone Wars, we also get to see a lot more with Yoda. One of the one of the things that we never quite saw or understood in the actual movies was how the heck does a Jedi attain the status of Force Ghost? It was one of those things. I think George Lucas. I remember reading as a kid, like you know, Episode One. Why didn't Qui Gon disappear when he got stabbed by Darth Maul? I'll be explained in the next movie. Okay. And then it wasn't an episode two, that'll be explained in the next movie. And then it was a deleted scene in episode three, basically. Yeah. So this was really our chance to really see some idea, at least, of how a Jedi can attain, you know, be, be stronger than you could possibly imagine. Yes, as, as Obi-Wan would say. Yeah, it, it brings back Qui-Gon again, which, of course, again, voiced by Liam Neeson, which is great that we got you know, such a prominent actor from the films to come back and voice a character in the Clone Wars. But um, Qui-Gon essentially takes Yoda on a, on a journey of exploration through the Force. And it's, it's also this arc in season six uh, where we get um, a, a voice cameo appearance by none other than Luke Skywalker himself, Mark Hamill. But he's not playing Luke Skywalker. Yes. So, uh, but I won't spoil that. And he won an Emmy for his uh, appearance in that, I believe, didn't he? He did, I believe. Or was he at least nominated? He was nominated. Yes. Oh, I'm not sure if he won or not. But I mean, man, but yeah, this, this arc was just fantastic. And I think I like this one even more than the Mortis arc, just in terms of showing the, like you said, the mystical aspects of the Force. Because the Mortis trilogy goes way out there. And you know, they, they get sucked into this glowing, floating diamond in space, and you're not even sure what's happening in there the whole time. And I think the, the Yoda trilogy is a little bit more grounded in the sense that like, okay, you can see where Yoda is. We know what's happening. You know, he goes to Dagobah, which is like, okay, we know this is a real place because he's been here before. You hear Qui-Gon's voice. We know he's an actual character. He died. He's part of the Force now. Um, but at the same time, it really, I think, helps to, like you said, bring back that mystical aspect of the Force. Where, I mean, Qui-Gon maybe mentioned something about midi-chlorines, but it's not this big scientific explanation. I mean, I just love this scene that, I mean, we don't have the clip, but just the screenshot right here, where he's taking Yoda through Dagobah, and you see Yoda just, like, jumping over the logs and swinging on the vines, just like Luke does in Empire Strikes Back, and he's following just these sort of ethereal uh, little floating balls of light as Qui-Gon is explaining to him the, the different sides of the force and how you how you study it and how you attain you know true peace and are able to uh, preserve yourself through the force after death and I just thought that was really cool. Yes. Well, from the light side of the force to the dark side. Dun dun dun. The Clone Wars definitely gave us the baddies in it. Uh, boy oh boy, did we learn a lot about characters that. You know, are not so nice. Yes, and and honestly, previously weren't that developed. I mean, in the Clone Wars micro series, Saj Ventress was featured in that, but she was a assassin, kind of crazy, screaming around the place. And I, I quite frankly, I was just like, oh, that's interesting, but I didn't really like the character that much. And of course, you know, some fans went, you know, scratched their heads and said, what when Darth Maul returns? I think that was all of us. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it ended up being really cool, but yes, I think yeah. when we first got the reveal that he was going to be coming back, everybody just went, 
I'm sorry, what? Which, which, thinking back on it now, I'm kind of glad they did. I remember they announced like at the beginning of season four that they were bringing Darth Maul back at the, at the end. And on the one hand, I was like, why would you spoil that now? Like, show us the episodes and let us find out for ourselves if he's actually coming back or not. But at the same time, I was like, this doesn't need to happen. Like, you just introduced Savage Press, who's obviously supposed to be like a replacement Darth Maul. We don't need Darth Maul coming back too. And I think it gave us a whole season to kind of wrap our minds around it to, by the point where they actually brought him back, we're like, well, okay, we know this is happening, so let's see how it goes. And then they just blew it out of the water. Yes, I think it was a shock to everyone, including Dave Filoni and the people of the Clone Wars when George Lucas told them. Oh, they're back from Maul. Yeah, so. <laughs> let's yeah. see a clip here from Darth Maul and uh, his brother, Savage Press against Obi-Wan and Asajj Ventress. Um, this is one of my favorite episodes from this season, uh, partly because we get a, a character like Asajj Ventress, who at the beginning of the series is very clearly a bad guy. She works for Count Dooku, um, and she just, you know, hates everybody. Um, then she becomes a threat to Sidious, and she's supposed to be gotten rid of, and then she finds her play, her, herself in this place where she's not a Sith anymore. She's not part of the Separatists anymore. She doesn't want to become a Jedi because, you know, why would she? Um, but yet, she ends up having to work with Obi-Wan Kenobi. And it's one of the best interactions between a pair of characters. Um, and you saw just a brief snippet of it there. Um, but I thought it was great. And then, of course, Darth Maul coming back. And you thought Obi-Wan was cool, calm, and collected all the time? Nah, not so much with Darth Maul. I was just thinking when watching that clip, we really got to see really in the Clone Wars how the mirror image of Obi-Wan in a lot of ways is Darth Maul. I mean, both are very intelligent. Uh, however, boy oh boy, Darth Maul hates, hates Obi-Wan. I mean, I think I'd hate somebody too if they took my legs and then, you know, not kick me down a pit and stuff, you know? But. Um, you know, just just the things of seeing how he, I mean, that's, you know, kicking him in the face with a frying pan leg, that's one thing. <laughs> but uh, Satine, I won't go any farther than saying that for people who haven't seen it, but 
My goodness, that is, again, one of the more most powerful scenes, I think, in all of Star Wars, oh, my right heart. there. Oh, my with, heart. Uh, as we get, get there. And, and again, I think um, some have criticized the Clone Wars a little bit, including Dave Filoni, a little bit when, uh, when it comes to the dark side characters. I think he has said, you know, they did get a, maybe a little too dark at times uh, in the Clone Wars. Um, but honestly, we're dealing with a time in the Star Wars universe where things are getting darker. The transition from episode two to three, things are not going well in the Star Wars universe. Yeah, I mean, the opening title crawl of Revenge of the Sith says, you know, there are heroes on both sides and evil is everywhere. Um, and of course, at the time of the movie, you're thinking like, oh, well, there's Palpatine, there's Dooku, there's General Grievous, there's maybe some corruption in the Senate or whatever, um, and that's some evil that's kind of everywhere. But then you watch the Clone Wars, you see all these different villains that we never knew existed, but it's like, holy crap, Darth Maul is still out there somewhere? Like, well, that's a lot of evil. But uh, yeah, I mean, they, they just did such a fantastic job bringing the character back to the point where they, they still did a little bit of a murky job explaining like how he survived with half a body for 10 years in some trash pit in the Outer Rim. And, you know, the, the explanation was basically just he hated Obi-Wan so much that his hatred kept him alive because he couldn't allow himself to die until he got revenge or something. But, you know, to, they, they once they brought that character back to his his full strength, I guess, you know, at first he comes back with the robot legs and then, you know, he, he gets um, sort of reshaped by the Death Watch, I guess, where he's, he's more human. And just, I mean, the the rage and the just the hatred and everything that they characterize him with, the fantastic job that Sam Weber does voicing him. It's like they do such a cool job bringing him back that you kind of just forget about like, oh, well, you know, I don't really care how he came back because now I'm just glad he's back because he's, he's such an awesome character. And one of the great things about the Clone Wars that it did with the dark side is, is it treated the villains, you know, as actual characters. It didn't just like say, oh, well, there's the, there's the villain. They got entire arcs out of seasons. Um, in, in particular, uh, they, they it was entire three and four episodes just completely devoted to these villains, where we wouldn't even sometimes see Anakin, Obi Wan, mm -hmm. or you know, any of the Jedi. So it was it was really kind of interesting because they took time with the villains and developed them into you know actual menaces or characters that we felt conflicted because they were so cool but they're really evil or characters like Ventress who had a complete you know total character arc throughout the seasons where like I said before she was evil at the beginning and then she ends up in this very sort of nebulous gray area where she's kind of helping the Jedi begrudgingly sort of um, and to the point where I really want to see where she goes next, but yes. um, yeah, I, I absolutely love what they did with Ventress's character too. Because I mean, for me, I know Joey, you said at the beginning she was kind of like, eh, one-dimensional villain could kind of take her or leave her. I mean, I was more of a fan of Ventress at the beginning. I liked her a lot in the Clone Wars micro series. I'd also gotten into uh, some of the Dark Horse uh, Clone Wars uh, Republic comics that came out back, like in between episodes two and three. And she's got a whole story arc in there. Um, and so she was like one of my favorite characters already from the expanded universe. Um, and so when I found out she was going to be in this series, I was like, okay, cool. I just want to see some really cool lightsaber duels between Anakin and Ventress and all this kind of thing. Um, but then, you know, they, they kind of took me by surprise with the way they went with her character in the show where, you know, like you said at the beginning, she kind of starts out in that same role where she's a rival, a nemesis, whatever, for the Jedi. And then 
she gets betrayed by Count Dooku. We find out that, unlike in the comics where she was from Ratatak, you know, she's from Dathomir, that brought in this whole other side of the Dathomir witches and introduced that new faction. And they're um, creepy. Yes. Yeah, I mean, so, so she goes from Sith Apprentice to Night Sister to... Bounty Hunter. To, well, to, you know, begrudging, like, he's an unexpected ally of Obi-Wan to then kind of just going off on her own path, becoming a bounty hunter, and we get to see some cool solo stories with her, so... Um, yeah, I mean, it was a really new and interesting take on that character, and uh, yeah, I mean, we, we may get to see a couple more unfinished stories about her coming up soon, so yeah, and I can't just wait to see where they go with that. Real quick about Mother Talzin, I mean, that's a whole other kind of mystical, I mean, we're, again, going back to the Force in some ways, we have this whole idea of magics. By, by the way, Mother Talzin, the leader of the Night Sisters, yes. for those who are wondering. And Mother Talzin. Force witches. Yes. Disturbing. Yes, very, very. We have, yeah, if you like zombies, there's there's great stuff in there for you. Uh, but yes, Mother Talzin, uh, and again, some of the best uh, audio work right there in that voice as well. Yeah. Um, let's go ahead and talk, as long as we're in this dark place, uh, let's stay in there a little bit longer. Let's talk about some of the scum and villainy. A rigid hive of scum and villainy. Which? We must be cautious. I kind of like these guys. You, you think you wouldn't like, but these are some of the coolest dang characters in Star Wars, I think. Uh, right here from uh, left to right, of course, we have Hongo Naka. He's the best ever. <laughs> End of story. We're done. Cad Bane might have something to say about that. <laughs> well, Cad Bane, of course, on the right-hand side, pre Vizsla, and now she's escaping my head right now. Aura Singh. Aura Singh. With, with young, young Boba Fett. Yes, Young Boba. So, I mean, right here, again, we're getting some stories here of Young Boba. Uh, again, nice to see him kind of make that transition from a kid holding his dad's helmet to... Kid wearing his dad's helmet. Yes. <laughs> Just about. Oh, gosh, we got so close. Did anyone here go to Celebration, out, out, by the way? If you, uh, if you guys were lucky enough to, to see the Untold Clone Wars panel, it's online right now. Uh, you can see some, um, how would I call it, like, it's a, con not concept art. The um, animatics. Animatics. They're basically like unfinished uh, animation for episodes that they were working on that they didn't finish with like the textures and the lighting and everything, but you can see the rough character models like blocking out what would have happened in the scene. Yeah. We got to see they're, they're about this close to giving us an arc featuring Cad Bane and young Boba Fett and actually Boba in Mandalorian armor. It was this close to showing us. So it's, I believe it's on StarWars.com though, so you can see those animatics, some really cool scenes with them fighting uh, Count Dooku. Um, well, let's, let's see a quick clip here showing uh, some of these bounty hunters and such uh, at their finest with our introduction to Cat Bane. Senators, you 
consider yourselves to be in my power. As long as everybody behaves, this will be quick and painless. Do nothing, and it will all be over soon. I don't know who you think you are, but I, for one, have no intention of listening to this kind of insolence. That is the Senate building, by the way. Yes, yeah. and the then, bounty hunters invaded the Galactic Senate building. Yeah. And that, that's from the season, the, the last episode of season one, and that is still one of my favorite scenes from the whole show. Speaking of which, I want to promote this right here. If you haven't picked up one of these suckers right here, uh, make sure you pick one before up before you go. Uh, that, even though it was at the end of season one. You actually won't be able to see that until the 51st episode on here, uh, Hostage Crisis. This, this, by the way, is the complete viewing order yes. of Clone Wars. Um, they were not all aired in chronological order. Um, mostly through the first three seasons. Mostly through the first three seasons. Uh, we've got a bunch yeah, of them up here. Got tons of them. And you can pick them up um, after, the, after the panel. Um, but yes, no, the, as far as the scum and villainy and the bounty hunters, Cad Bane is amazing. He's my favorite bounty hunter. Sorry, Boba Fett, not really. Um, <laughs> but my favorite of the scum and villainy is got to be Hondo Onaka, um, who is this great pirate captain, and he's just over the top, and he loves his job, and um, he's just fantastic, and I really cannot wait to see him come back. Um, he's still got some of my favorite lines in the entire series, you know. But speaks, no way, Ulysses, speak softly and, and drive a big tank. tank. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, oh my goodness, I love, I love these characters and they are some of the best in the entire series, so. Yeah, Hondo is, is definitely fantastic. As far as sort of towing that line of like, he's not really a villain, but he's definitely not a hero. He just kind of does whatever he feels like. In one episode, he'll be a bad guy. In the next episode, he'll be begrudgingly helping the good guys. And, um, I like that line too he has in the, the Young Jedi arc where he's like, lucky for you, today I like children. Um, yes. as he's like begrudgingly helping these younglings escape from the Separatists and stuff. Um, but just to, I mean, we've seen the clip with, uh, with Cad Bane and Aura Singh. Uh, we've talked about Hondo, who we love, and uh, I just would be remiss if I didn't also mention Pre Vizsla and the Death Watch. Because I know these guys caused some controversy when they first came up, and some people were like, oh, they butchered the Mandalorians and the whole warrior culture and whatever because they made them pacifists. Um, but part of what I loved about that was that you still had this faction of the Death Watch who were the warriors. I think for me, throughout the entire season, or throughout the entire Clone Wars series, the Death Watch was my favorite, sort of like the villains to root for. Um, because even though they were the bad guys, even though we were supposed to, you know, like Duchess Satine and Obi-Wan and everything, I wanted to see these guys come back and take over Mandalore. And from, you know, ever since yes. that season two arc where, uh, you know, you see them sort of planning to stage their little coup and it doesn't go well by the end and Dooku sort of abandons them and leaves them on their own. Um, I was like, okay, I can't wait to see more of these guys later. I want to see them come back and try to work this out. Um, plus, of course, you know, you've got Pre Vizsla, the leader of the Death Watch, with the, the ancient black lightsaber that he talks about, you know, the ancient Mandalorian stealing from the Jedi Temple. Right. I'm like, that was so cool. Um, and then, of course, I mean, man, that final fight scene between Vizsla and Darth Maul. Um, I mean, in that season five story arc where, uh, you know, with Maul and the Mandalorians and everything, and of course in that final episode, you've got the uh, the duel with Maul and Savage and 
Darth Sidious, where Sidious finally, you know, gets his hands dirty and is like, Maul's back, he's causing trouble, I'm gonna deal with this myself. And people just love that fight. I love that fight. Yes. And that, that gets a lot of credit and it deserves a lot of credit. But I feel like the, the episode previous to that, where Darth Maul and Pre Vizsla fight it out for control of the Death Watch, um, is probably my favorite duel, you know, lightsaber duel in the Clone Wars, because it's not just a lightsaber duel. You know, you see this Mandalorian warrior yes. who obviously doesn't have Darth Maul's lightsaber training and force abilities and all that kind of stuff, but he's you know, using his, his jetpack and his blasters and his flamethrower and his rocket darts and all this other kind of stuff to, uh, you know, level the playing field as much as he can. And that's just such an intense, awesome, complex fight where both of them are just like pulling out all the stops. Absolutely, absolutely. I have a few comments here from the audience. Yes? Yeah, originally when I saw Cad Bane on the show, I did not like him. I don't know why. Like when I first saw him, I thought like they're trying too hard to make this new character look cool. They're trying too hard to make him stand up to Boba Fett. Originally, that's what I originally thought. And then kind of as I saw more and more of him, you know, I saw, hey, maybe this guy is justified in the way that he is. You know, I saw him more as just, oh, he's the cool bounty hunter. You actually see more and more of him being this cold calculating. And, you know, when you get to see more and more of him, I really, he really started to grow on me in a sense. And it's like, you know, maybe, you know, he is, they do try to make him look cool, yes, but maybe the fact that, maybe the, that coolness is in a sense justified in a lot of the things that he does. So. Oh, it's totally justified. And, and we, and again, it's, unfortunately we didn't get to see, you know, the upcoming arc with Cad Bane and Boba because that was going to show us kind of the, kind of Cad Bane, what was it Dave Filoni was saying, he always kind of, Cad always had a rivalry with Django. Mm. Yeah, he wanted who to the better bounty hunter. Who in, between him and Django, that who was the the better bounty hunter, and they obviously never got to find that out or have their, their fight to the death because Mace Windu stepped in and uh, took Django's head off. But then Cad Bane is like, oh, but here's this perfect clone of Django Fett, so I'm going to take him under my wing, train him to be as good as his father was, and then we'll get to duke it out. <laughs> so, yes. Uh, yes, and then, go ahead. Yes. Um, I personally love Pre Vizsla and Hondo and Cad Bane. I love Cad Bane just for the fact that he is so awesome. Just. <laughs> I mean, even in the uh, the deception arc in season four, I mean, even though he was him and Morallo Evol and Rachel Hardeen, all that stuff. I mean, I think he was awesome that arc. I love Previsal for the fact that he is so crazy. He is just so determined to take over the, take over Mandalore and with the black lightsaber. But I love Han. I have a hate love for Hondo because I love him when he's siding with the Jedi and when he's making jokes. But the moment he's against the Jedi, I'm like. Kick his butt. <laughs> 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 well, uh, jump I love the inclusion of the spaghetti western. Sort of oh yes, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I definitely love how he's like that old school, almost like a gentleman kind of villain. I mean, you saw in that clip, he's like, he'll toss a thermal detonator into your room behind your back, then politely tip his hat before he blows your brains up. <laughs> but, yeah. Yes, yeah. So like Clint Eastwood, right there. By the way, he. Yes, Yes. Uh, so by the way, go. one more question comment here. One more comment about him. Um, whenever I see Hondo, I always immediately think of Lando Calrissian. I think he's the Lando Calrissian precursor rogue character. Yes, that's a good point. It's a really good point. But by, by the way, oh. real, real quick. So when I'm looking at your map here, because I'm fortunate enough to be able to look forward to watching all of these for the first time. Okay. Oh, so as I look at the map. The, the three digit number two represents season two, correct? Correct. One represents season one. Would you, rev, would you recommend that I watch them 
from season one, episode one through, or would you recommend that I go and watch them based on the story arc? So start with 216, and then watch 116, then watch 301, then watch 303, then go back and watch 101. Personally, I'll, I'll ask each one of you guys. Personally, I would, as a person going new into the Clone Wars, um, I think it'll help you not be as confused as a person watching them when they were coming out of Cartoon Network. It was a little confusing watching a character suddenly appear again. After I thought they were killed. killed. Uh, so yes, it goes uh, season two, 216, then 116, and then the T is for the theatrical movie, right. um, and then going on from Which there. Your recommendation would be not to watch based on the left column, but to watch yes. based on the right Yeah, column. just watch them like down, you know, in order down. Yeah. I think you'll get a lot more character development, especially jumping into the second and third season, where the first season, Honestly, and anyone here who followed the season, series like I did, it, the first season had its ups and downs. Not every episode of The Clone Wars is gold. I would give some of them silvers. Uh, and then and, there were a couple of duds. Yeah, and, and then there was B.J. Hughes. Yes, <laughs> that's not going to do that. Or, or uh, you know... You know, going into the void. You know, yeah. like, and I mean, I you know, I also watched the series in order as it aired when it was on TV. But since it came out on Netflix, um, I've been reading. You know, I just would read some comments from people online who hadn't gotten a chance to watch the series before and said that you know they found this chronological order of episodes online or whatever, watched it in that order, and they were like, oh, this made a lot of sense going yeah. in chronological order for the first time. So that's what I would recommend. I would recommend that as well. Um, and like we said, for those that are interested, we do have these available. Many, uh, many of them available after the panel. Um, and by the way, when we say chronological order, that's the sort of the, the correct timeline order within yes. the, the Star Wars universe, not the, the chronological order. The airing the, order. Yeah. yeah. So, so right. let's go ahead and talk quickly about uh, Anakin Skywalker. Now, in the, uh, in the prequels, um, honestly, Anakin, I think, was one of those moments, uh, you know, some people criticize. There was all, for me, I can think of three things. There was Jar Jar, Midichlorians, and Anakin. That people uh, criticized. That people criticized. Uh, Sometimes a little too harshly and unfairly, I, I think. Um, but with the Clone Wars, if you really want to see the character of Anakin be that hero that you heard of, Obi-Wan, best star pilot in the galaxy, and he was a good friend, we get to see Anakin Skywalker being that good friend. Yes, a bit, you know, brash, a bit, uh, you know. You That's strong. And, and unfortunately, strong. we still don't get to see as much of him as I would like being the best star pilot in the galaxy. We never really got like a dedicated space battle episode where Anakin's just in a starfighter flying through tearing up battle droids and stuff. But we like, do get moments, and they're terrific. Um, yeah. But the other thing that we also get with this, in addition to seeing Anakin be the hero rather than just like this angsty kid going through becoming a Jedi Knight, um, is the fact that we start getting seeds and hints of the dark side in him. And so it doesn't seem, and I know some people in the prequels complained a little bit about uh, the fact that his turn to the dark side was too fast. I was okay with it for the most part, um, but for those that thought it was way too fast, the Clone Wars really helps to drag it out. Yes. Because we get, start getting seeds of this very early on, season two, uh, has one of the best little moments where he is interrogating the Genosian leader, Poggle the Lesser, yes. um, because his Padawan Ahsoka is in danger, and Poggle's not giving him answers. And so right there, in the middle of a Republic starship in the cell, he force chokes Poggle the Lesser, 
and you get just a little hint of the Imperial March with the music. And it's still one of the most chilling early scenes of Anakin going, starting his descent to the dark side. Yes, yeah. it's, it's not even a little hint of the Imperial March. <laughs> like, they, they almost go full-blown Imperial March right there. And I remember sitting there watching it, and you know, as Anakin's getting angry at him, I'm thinking, like, is he going to force choke him? Like, are they going to go there? It's only halfway through season two. Like, I know we're going to get there eventually, but they wouldn't go there yet, would they? They just went there. Yes. And that was awesome. There, that, was, that was a very good moment to see. Like, there was so... There's a lot of times with Anakin's on screen, I'm like, hey, it's Anakin. And then he starts doing something, you're like, oh, no, Anakin, no, no, don't, don't. And that's one scene that he just goes, closes the door so no one can see what he's about to do to Poggle. Goes and chokes him, and then comes out, I know where they are. Well, how'd you find out the information? That doesn't it's, matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, also, I think, you know, Matt Landry did a great job doing the Absolutely. performance of Anakin. Um, you know, certainly, obviously, like you said, Anakin gets a lot of criticism for the prequels, not just because of his turn to the dark side and some of the characterization issues, but also, you know, everyone knows there's, you know, people who complain about the performance, both Jake Lloyd and Hayden Christensen, um, not the best actors in the world or anything like that. But, um, and, you know, with, with Matt Landers performance of the character in The Clone Wars, um, you know, I didn't hear any complaints. No. Yeah, along those lines from the series. In fact, um, I want him to be put into uh, special editions of the prequels. I think we should <laughs> put Matt Lantern in there, please. Uh, okay, so let's go ahead and talk about, really, in my opinion, it comes down to it, the whole Clone Wars series revolves really about one particular character, and I saw her walk in the door. Yeah, I was going to say, I know we have a couple people over here who would agree with that. And that would be Ahsoka Tano right here. Yes. So give it up for Ahsoka. And then for those little Ahsoka Tano in the back, she'll be available for pictures and autographs. <laughs> um, guys, I mean, I don't know really where to begin. I mean, we really, we so much to say about Ahsoka. I mean, we see the war through her eyes. Yeah. Um, it, it was one of the things where when the Clone Wars movie came out, which, like I've said before, not the best movie. It would have worked as a TV show, not the best movie. Um, she comes on the scene, all of a sudden, oh, you're Anakin Skywalker's Padawan. Everybody goes, huh? Oh, yeah. What? Including Dave Filoni, when Dave Filoni was like, when George Lucas says, okay, Anakin uh, has a Padawan. And he goes, no, no, she doesn't. No, he doesn't. He goes, yes, she does. Yes, he does. Yeah. And he goes, no, he doesn't have... Oh, yeah, that's right, you're the boss, okay. <laughs> so, yes, Anakin has a Padawan, and again, from the beginning of the Clone Wars movie, I was one of those folks going, oh my gosh, I, this is just this is just trying to market to little kids, and this, oh gosh, she's annoying with the whole Sky Guy, r 2 yeah. She had the worst nicknames for everybody. Yes. yes. And, I mean, I didn't even mind the fact that Anakin had a Padawan. I was like, okay, cool, let's see where they go with this. This is going to be interesting. But then, like you said, when, when she just comes with the, the kind of bratty attitude, and um, I mean, especially because I love Anakin Skywalker and just sort of the whole mythology of the Chosen One and this legendary warrior and everything. Um, and then she comes as this Padawan and she's like, "Yeah, you're stuck with me, Sky Guy." I'm like, "You don't talk to the Chosen One like that." <laughs> and I was kind of okay with Sky Guy, but then she said Artui, and I was like, "Artu's already a nickname. Don't ruin it." Uh, I think the thing—I mean, before it starts sounding like we're, we're bashing on Ahsoka or anything—I think the, the biggest thing that I love about the character is that we got to watch her grow and evolve over the course of the show. And I think the, the best thing about that character is. Not even the fact that she was a good character by the end of the show, which she was. She but was I, I one think, of the best characters yeah, by she, the end of the was, show. She was fantastic by the end, but I think it, it was just enhanced that much more 
by seeing where she had come from um, and just watching the, the evolution and the progression of that character over the course of the show to where she really is, is you know, strong and independent and her own character by the end. We'll keep talking about it, but can we uh, yeah, you know, show a quick clip here? here of her kind of towards the uh, end of the series in her prime, as it were. Slave one. Yes, yeah, there is a good reason for that. But yeah, yeah I, I asked Joey to put that clip in there because it's just—it's one of those really awesome clips where you just get a little bit of everything. I was like, that's a great clip to show Ahsoka and and her maturation and development. A because I mean you don't really see it in the clip, but throughout that story arc, you know, that's at the end of the Young Jedi arc where um, you know she gets to lead and train a group of young Jedi who are. Almost, you know, in a similar position, and you know, just a little bit younger than she was at the beginning of the series, um, and now she's old enough to be, you know, sort of taking on a little bit of a mentor role. Obviously, you know, she's not like a full Jedi Knight taking on her own Padawan or anything, but she's helping these little kids along, saying like, "Hey, you know, I was once where you guys are now, and this is where you get your lightsaber crystals, and this is how you use the Force and stuff like that." Um, and then, you know, but then we see her take on Grievous, and it's this awesome fight scene. I also like that this is one of the clips that actually, you know, shows Grievous as a credible threat, because absolutely one of the few gripes that I have about the Clone Wars series is that they just turn Grievous into a, you know, cartoony villain that the heroes trample all over. And kind of twiddling his mustache as he runs away. It's highly whiplash. <laughs> and, and in this fight, you actually... I mean, when I was watching this for the first time, I was like, oh, they're not actually going to kill off Ahsoka right here, are they? Oh, like, yeah. They wouldn't do that, but at the same time, like, we know Grievous has killed Jedi, and he's actually, you know, putting up a good fight here, but Ahsoka puts up a great fight, too, and then Hondo shows up at the end, it's, you know, in, in Slave 1, of all things, and... Uh, yeah, the Youngling arc so is just a fantastic arc in general, when it yeah. comes to this action, Ahsoka, the Force, again, we're talking that, and for you Doctor Who fans, David Tennant is in it as well. Uh, as and we, he won an Emmy for it. Yes. If, if you walk up to, you know, some random people at this convention, you know, especially the, the Doctor Who fans, and say, uh, you know, hey, you know what TV series uh, David Tennant won an Emmy for? I bet you they won't know it's Star Wars The Clone Wars, so yeah. there's your, uh, your surprise <laughs> trivia for the day. Okay. Uh, but, but the thing is, is, you know, many people, you know, uh, went from, you know, not really knowing what to do with Ahsoka to by the end of the series, I can't really think of anybody that I know personally that didn't think that she was an amazing character. And then when this happens, 
and she leaves the Jedi Order. It was the most heartbreaking ending to a season and almost ever. a series. There's one line at the end of the episode where you know Anakin um, said, you know, she's standing in front of the Jedi Temple. Anakin's like, you know, they're they're offering you back, Ahsoka, and. Uh, you know, he holds out her Padawan braid and she closes his hand around it and says, I'm sorry, Master, I'm not coming back. And then that was at the end of season five, which at the time we thought there was going to be a season six. A couple weeks later, they announced that the show has been canceled. And then you watch that scene again and her line saying, I'm sorry, Master, I'm not coming back. Feels like Dave Filoni and the Clone Wars crew saying that to the fans. And I was just like, oh, that hurts so much more. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, you know, just, just to talk about how that all really affects the whole series in general, I think for me, I mean, really, we got to see the arrogance, I think, of the Jedi Order in a lot of ways, uh, how they would turn away someone like Ahsoka. And through her walking away, I mean, yet another thing to help a show with Anakin. I Something mean, how, that he lost. Yeah, how, I mean, his, his fear of loss right there, and all of a sudden in, in Revenge of the Sith, him uh, saying this is where the fun begins right there, and that is, at least from as far as I know, first spoken by Ahsoka. And I'm thinking to myself, like, oh, that's what Ahsoka said, and now Ahsoka's not around for Anakin. So it really has an impact, I think, for the, the greater saga itself. Yeah, but thankfully, we have not seen The Last of Ahsoka or some of these other Absolutely. characters. We obviously wouldn't end this on a downer note. No way. Like, oh, Ahsoka walked away. Everybody have a good rest of the call. Yes, because <laughs> we have, there's luckily more Clone Wars stories uh, continuing in different formats. Uh, first of all, of course, we've had uh, Son of Dathomir, uh, which was released by Dark Horse Comics, one of the last series that Dark Horse put together. Pretty nice series showing us some more Darth Maul, uh, not quite wrapping up everything with Darth Maul, which is very interesting. Um, He's still out there. Somewhere, so we might see him still in Rebels, perhaps? I don't know. We'll, we'll just have to see. Uh, and uh, we also have a few arcs that they put up on StarWars.com. When, when the Clone Wars was canceled, they were, in, they were about halfway into production for, I believe, season six and even season seven. Mm -hmm. um, so there are, there's recorded dialogue, there are even animatic scenes that were put together. There's two great, great arcs. One of them, the, uh, the Utapau arc, uh, which uh, kind of deals with Anakin uh, dealing with Ahsoka leaving him for a little bit. Uh, and then and really course, getting into more of that Anakin-Obi-Wan relationship. Oh yes, definitely some brother kind of stuff going on with Anakin and Obi-Wan in that, in that arc. And of course the Bad Batch arc, which was premiered recently in Star Wars Celebration. Fantastic arc for any clone fans out there because I gotta tell you, it's, it's really fantastic and I want action figures of these guys. Oh. <laughs> Uh, and of course, coming up with Rebels, we have the Rebels season two premiere. And my goodness, I was I was lucky enough to be at the celebration when they premiered that trailer. And when Captain Rex says, "My name's Captain Rex," my God, people were crying and they were screaming, and it was the fantastic. The place went nuts. Yes, it was so fantastic. Yeah. So. Well, I was going to say, we, we know another big character is coming back in Rebels who already appeared in the season one finale, and we just thought we were going to get more of that. We had no idea they'd bring Captain Rex in this soon. So, yeah. And then we get Hondo Onaka, best character, best scoundrel <laughs> in the Clone Wars. So um, I'm super excited to get more of Hondo, but that's not the biggest Clone Wars I character. I want to see an episode. We know Lando is in Rebels, too. I just want to see a whole episode of Lando and Hondo like cheating and swindling each other. Yes. Stabbing each other in the back the entire episode. That would be incredible. Yes. 
but of course we have uh, Lords of the Sith. I just read that book. If you're a Chan Syndulla fan or, you know, maybe just slightly, uh, Hera uh, from Rebels, her father is Chan Syndulla. Who was featured in a couple of episodes of yes, The Clone Wars. The Ryloth uh, arc, I believe. And uh, yes, we can learn more about him in Lords of the Sith. Coming up very soon this summer is Dark Disciple, where we can... Uh, believe that's June? July, 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 July. Okay. Yes. So yes, they have a preview copy downstairs. Unfortunately, it's blank. I I tried. I looked. There's nothing in there. Uh, So yes, that's actually I think I want to say at least four, possibly eight episodes. It's it's eight episodes. It's gonna encompass eight episodes of Clone Wars. It would have been two different four episode story arcs uh, with. Asajj Ventress and Quinlan Boss going on this mission together to sort of infiltrate the Separatists. And it's basically the Jedi wanting to take down Dooku. Um, the Jedi Council, you know, selects Quinlan Boss for the job because he is unorthodox and, uh, you know, they think he can get in on this. But then, you know, they also go to, to Ventress for help now that she's not working for the bad guys anymore. And they're like, hey, you know the bad guys, you know Dooku, we need your help with this. So it sounds like a really interesting. Uh, story and uh, you know concept there, and when I found out that it was going to be eight episodes instead of four, I was like, I definitely got to get my hands on this yeah, and see I'm... where they were going with that story. And uh, of course, Ahsoka coming back. She is back. Uh, happened. We were we saw the Rebels season two premiere. Guys, this is something to watch. Mind blown. There was a, there is a scene in in season two of Rebels. Uh, don't don't even. I'm don't, not going don't, to go there. Don't. I'm and not spoiling the anything. Is, the whole thing is fantastic. And not just for a Malstrom. Darth freaking Vader. Like, yes. the, the Vader that you've wanted to see oh, since yes. the original trilogy. This is not like cartoony villain Vader. This is like Vader stepping out of the shadows, the full costume, the lightsaber, the music is playing, James Earl Jones doing the voice. Like, he is scary and intimidating and powerful, and it is awesome. And this is the most terrified I've ever been of Darth Vader, is in Rebels, not in the movies. So, just... When season two premieres in June, you have to watch this show. Well, we have a few prizes to give out. (laughs) (laughs) Jason, yeah, he hadn't seen that slide. I just put that in. Can you say it? Jason, can you please say it as Jar Jar? Mesa want prizes! As I, he should be here all week. As I said before, I, I kind of snuck these away from the Del Rey booth over in uh, Celebration. So we, we have about five of these posters of Dark Disciple. And if you'd like one, then I'm going to ask some questions here. Gentlemen, you can ask them as well. You know, yeah. Um, just because she came in full... Ahsoka costume. We want to give one of these to the best little Ahsoka at the convention. So if you want to come up and get a poster, yes. we just have to do this. Um, Fantastic. Woo! Dark Disciple. All right. There you go. That's fantastic. Thank you so much, Ahsoka. You're welcome. You're welcome. So, all right. So that means we have four. Yeah, we have four. Four of you big Jedi's out there. And if so, you have a problem with that, you've turned to the dark. Yes, I'm yes. sorry. <laughs> so here we go. So, first question. Gentlemen, do you have a Clone Wars question you want to go? And I, I, I'll ask mine. I've had it saved. Okay. Um, who is the um, character who killed Zero the Hut? You were the first hand I saw. Sly Snoodles. Sly Snoodles, that is correct. Yes. 
Yes, size noodles. The singer from Jabba's Palace and Return of the Jedi. What about so really gross kissing It was the most disgusting romance that you will ever not want to see. Oh, they make out and it's awesome. All right, here's another question. What is the name of the beat up old cargo freighter that Anakin Skywalker flies in the Clone Wars movie? I saw this and first. The Twilight. Come on up. Okay, um, I've got one more here. Um, which? <laughs> and, and raise your hands up high, because I saw a couple like half hands on that one. I was like, are you guys raising your hands? Are you waiting? Are you thinking? I don't know. So, which ancient Sith Lord does Yoda encounter on Moraband in the Lost Missions episodes? I just saw the guy in the aisle right here. Darth Vader. Darth Bane is correct. And that is the cameo by Luke Skywalker, or by uh, Mark Hamill, by the way. Yes. Uh, I'm going to ask one right here. Is okay. this the last one? Oh, I get to ask the last one. Okay, this is a clone question. Last question. Last question. Uh, which clone trooper shot and killed Jedi, Mas Jedi Master Palm Krell? Which Jedi? You've already got a poster. You've already got a poster. Oh, that was a good one. Dogma! That is correct! Good, awesome job, man. And I think before we uh, shove out of here and get to the next panel, uh, I want to get to things. There we go. Uh, so once again, uh, thank you guys for coming. And again, this is Jason Hunt from Wampa's Lair Podcast. Kyle Avery from the Star Wars The Saga Continues podcast. So check him out. We have, uh, we have some cards up here. Business if like cards if you want to follow us in our various uh, adventures. And lots of these chronological order things. We had tons of them, too. So if you want to get them to your friends, They're up here in the come front on row. up. we got a lot of them. And thank you very much for coming. Enjoy your day. Of course, you. Amazing.